fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 200. Yay! Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do! Welcome back after a disastrous week. <laughs> disastrous week last week. We're finally uh, back in the mix, so to speak. Uh, we would have got the show out to you. <laughs> last week episode 200 but we had a little bit of a, a technical um hiccup lots and lots of cybermats in the system last week loads it yes. was a it was a a catalogue of disaster wasn't it <laughs> like with all the best intentions that we had it just it was all against us last week <laughs> it was yeah so adam and i planned to do this cool sort of uh, in-person uh, recording we um i went round to I travelled over to Casse de Big uh, uh, Geeks Handbag. <laughs> oh, Geeks HQ. <laughs> Geeks HQ, yeah. Travelled over there. We got it all set up, didn't we? Lovely. Yeah. It all looked good. We're going to put it on YouTube. We had the video. And it turns out that the um, the video cut out anyway. So we only had like 18 minutes of footage from a two-hour show. And <laughs> no all, sound. No either, sound, yeah. We were going to dub on the sound from the, from the recorded audio separately. So no yeah. sound on the video. Yeah, and, uh, and our mics doubled up. So we had this horrendous echo that you can't remove in post-production. It's sort of baked into each channel. So it wasn't... I mean, the only good thing is we actually just met up and hung out for, a f- you know, half a day, and which is awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of people said, oh, are you sure you two didn't just get together and get drunk? And we were like, well, no, I wish we had now. Because <laughs> oh, obviously been, you, yeah. were, you were driving, so obviously there wasn't any drink flowing. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was really cool to actually meet up. And, and it's the first time we've sort of done the podcast, you know, it, sort of together in the same room sort of thing, which is something yeah, we've wanted yeah. to do for ages, actually, it's just to have that sort of um, interaction. So it was, a, it was a good day. And it is, it's a shame because... Uh, um, it will now be this sort of forever lost recording. Some, I think it was Paul McMahon said that it will be like this, uh, our friend Paul McMahon, it's like a bit like a lost episode of Doctor Who. It will forever just be in the vortex, this sort of, you know, lost episode. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a great recording. We had a really good day. It was It was a shame. We were gutted, weren't we, when, when we sort of, well, when you got back and sort of listened back to it and started tinkering around doing your stuff and it was like, we can't use any of it. And I was like, nah. Yeah, that was the worst <laughs> I was part, like, oh, yeah. well, at least we got the video. And you're like, bad news. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> it was just disaster. But we had a good day. And um, here we are again. Here we <laughs> the are. The only yeah. thing is, we know our thoughts on Earthshot now. Because we always sort of go to great lengths to keep our thoughts 
uh, about a review episode, you know, secret from each other, don't we? So that we don't <laughs> know, you know, what we think of it and, you know, we'll keep our scores hidden right to the end. And I was thinking, oh, no, now we know. Now we know. But yeah. it doesn't matter. Our listeners don't know. So it'll still be a surprise. And I think Earthshock, it's one of those stories where people can probably guess anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not like... um it's not like a Marmite story like Love and Monsters where people will be like, oh, do they love it? Do they hate That's it? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Here we are, though, back for 200. Yes. Before we kick off with our usual bit of waffle and news and merch and so on, uh, yes, we are at episode 200. So that means a very big thank you to all of you, all of you that listen, that have uh, picked up the show from its early, early stages when Adam and I were just kicking off our journey mm. a few years ago now 2014 i know it, it kicked off and um yeah we were unsure in the beginning weren't we we probably said this when we were you probably guys you guys have heard this all before when we went to uh, episode 100 and whatever but it's true you know we didn't know what was going to happen we didn't know um mm. if you guys weren't going to like it because there's a fair few doctor who podcasts out there already. oh there's loads yeah you know? and there's um there's at least half a dozen that have been going a lot longer than we have, and um, which uh, which I listen to. They're great podcasts, and it was a case of, well, are we going to fit in? Not fit in as in be accepted, but are we going to fit in? And as in, is it saturated at that point? You know, is there are there too many Doctor Who podcasts out there? And uh, you know, my opinion is there are never too too many podcasts of something within reason. Um, you know, if you can find your little space out there and. You know, your little space in the middle of nowhere, as Adam says. Hmm. Um, that's cool. So we really didn't know what was going to happen because I, I did a few shows by myself and then got Adam in and, Adam, can you come and save me? <laughs> and I never left. He invited me in for one show and I never left. <laughs> yeah, that's A bit funny. like Adric, I just, you know, hid aboard the TARDIS <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until, yeah. I was, until I was blown up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I asked, I asked uh, any listeners that have not, um, been on, have been with us since the um, the early days. I uh, I did a handful of shows by myself, and then I asked Adam on as a guest host for one of those. And the reviews were just really, really good after that show. So I thought, yeah, he's not busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know he's got an awesome YouTube channel, but he can he can fit this in as well. I'm sure. And, I'm trying uh, to think how I discovered you. Actually, I'm trying to think how because i listened to the podcast obviously from the very first episode i'm trying to think because it like you said there's loads of doctor who podcasts out there and mm. i i had a couple of favorites i've still got them and you know but there are a couple of podcasts i used to listen to religiously that that sadly have you know stopped going and um mm. i have a feeling that yeah it was around about that time i think maybe doctor the doctor who podcast is that what they were called the guys in the camp around used to love that oh that's right yeah okay. They yeah. they kind of finished as we were starting, or you were starting, and it might be just that I was searching for a new one because I like them yeah. so much. That yeah. might be how I found you. I can't remember, but certainly around the time we were getting going, they were finishing off, and and um, yeah, come on to review Remembrance of the Daleks because I was recommended <laughs> it to you, thinking he's going to love this, and you didn't. Then <laughs> do now, then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and then yeah, and then I jumped back on. I think when we started reviewing Series Eight, wouldn't it? I jumped back on, and then. It's been, so. yeah. it's been the two of us ever since. And we've been like Morecambe and Wise. We can't go anywhere <laughs> separately without someone asking us where the other one is. Oh, like, no, that's funny. But yeah. I think people think we live in the same house, in the same TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that is kind of weird because it's, yeah, whenever um, we go anywhere to any conventions, um, I don't know if this happens to you, but when I it turn does. up, yeah, when I turn up and you haven't arrived yet 
or whatever. You know, a lot of people say, oh, where's Adam then? Yeah. Where's Adam? Is he not here today? Is he? I'm like, well, you know. We are the ancient Ant and Deck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he'll be here. Don't worry. You know, it's just we don't live together. So, you know, no. he'll turn up, you know, whenever. But it is funny that people say that all the time. It's like, where's Gary? Where's Adam? It's like, I don't know. Be here in a minute. And we, li- we live, I was going to say, we don't live close and we don't live far. It's just it's just that sort of awkward enough distance that yeah. we... Because it was great to be able to get together last week, like I said, and actually record next to each other. Because you do get a slightly different interaction when you're in the same room, uh, rather than how we do it normally like this over Skype. So it was cool. But yeah, it's just, we don't quite live cl- that close enough to be able to do that every week, do we? Which is a yeah. shame. But yeah. But, um, yeah. but anyway, it was good though. It was good to get together. And we have made it to 200. It's um, it's not easy doing a podcast every week, uh, but we, we've made it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I just want to echo what you said, actually. Thanks to everyone who, who listens. Because like you said, you don't know when you do these things. Same with my YouTube channel. You just don't know what reaction is going to be. You might, yeah. you know, and we, we do have great interaction from from our listeners on, you know, on the Facebook and Twitter as well. And we love chatting to our listeners about all the stuff going on doctor who there's normally mm. some drama going on for us to have a chat about and so yeah <laughs> so thanks to everyone who who does listen and download us every week it's it uh it makes it worthwhile for sure absolutely yeah and uh yeah so it's um whether you like i said whether you uh you picked up the journey very early on and you've listened since then or you just jumped on this week it doesn't matter thank you so much for uh for um you know, a lot of people thank us. That's the cool thing. So all the reviews that we have on iTunes, which are really great. So that's another thank you. Everyone that's took the time to leave a review is very, very kind of you. It's, it's, um, it's very much appreciated. And uh, you guys thank us all the time. It's, you know, thank you for putting the podcast out and taking the time to do it. But thank you for um, taking the time out of your week to, um, to listen to our Doctor Who rubbish. Mm-hmm. Listen to Doctor us talk rubbish waffle. for a mm-hmm. couple of hours, yeah. And those of you that listen right to the end of our shows, I know that Gary always says about um, leaving an iTunes review as well and says, you know, how much it helps us out. So we've had some lovely reviews um, on iTunes since we started. So thanks to everyone that has taken the time to do that. Hmm. And it, it does help us out. Um, we don't really get a chance to explain this much when the music's counting down and we're trying <laughs> to sort of fit in all our little goodbyes. But But basically, I think the more people review us, the more it pushes the podcast up the sort of, itunes list and places like that doesn't it that's how it works isn't it so when we say it helps us out it actually Mm -hmm. does it kind of pushes the popularity of the podcast the more reviews we get um so more people can can discover us uh if that makes sense so it does help us out so thank you to everyone that's taking time to do that yeah and also it's lovely to read as well i think it's a while ago now you you sent me a review I mean, this is going back a few months, if not last year, I can't remember, but it nearly reduced me to tears. It was so nice. I can't remember. They're just, you know, some of the things people say about the show, it really does, you know, um, hits home. And uh, as I said, it makes it, uh, it makes it worthwhile doing. It's just when you read comments like that, you think, oh, man, that's nice. Thanks. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, getting a bit teary now. (laughs) No, not yet. We're only five minutes in. Rain it in, man. Rain it in. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we're here to another 200, possibly, mm. unless uh, series um, series 13 ends up being a complete fail. Series 11. 11, sorry. Oh, yeah. The 13th. I know, doctors, I, I you keep know. doing that. I keep yeah. doing that as well. Yeah. Unless series 11 ends up being a complete washout <laughs> and Doctor Who gets cancelled, like at the end of McCoy's era when everyone was like, oh, what do you do now then? Yeah. Well, I guess there's a few books knocking about. 
Oh, Nick Briggs will be rubbing his hands. All right, big finish. Big finish Come on. Yeah. As if they haven't got enough stuff coming out at the minute, blimey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, thank yous done. Mr. Adam, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks since the <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say it. Yeah, I've had, a good, I've had a good couple of weeks, actually. I've, I've done quite a bit. So, um, I, as you know, I love the Cushion, Peter Cushion Dalek movies, and I'll take any opportunity oh, yeah. to get yep. people to see them who haven't watched them. So I went to see our, our friends, the Who Addicts, a couple of weeks ago up in Middlesbrough, and, uh, you know, they did his live stream, so we were trying mm. to think, what episode are we going to watch? And I thought, <laughs> I'm going to take the Cushion Dalek movies as a bit of a curveball and just see if I can get them to watch them. And uh, we did. I got They watched both of them, and they really enjoyed them, and I oh, was cool. delighted because, you know, when you love something and then you say to someone, you've got to watch this, and then halfway through you can sort of sense that they ain't really digging it. They They did like it a lot, especially the second one. They really enjoyed that, so... Very pleased about that. Um, I got to meet Jodie Whittaker, our new doctor, in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, she did a little, tiny little event at Somerset House in London mm-hmm. uh, to an audience of 60 people. Oh, wow. uh, it wasn't Doctor Who related. It was a chat where she just talked through films that she grew up with, films that have inspired her and that sort of thing. So there was hardly any mention of Doctor Who at all, but it was very interesting and just so great to to actually see her in person and how she's she's such a personality i mean i just was sat there thinking i love her already i just can't wait to see her as a doctor if you know what i mean um and then at the end of it she sort of got up and i was thinking oh i wonder if she's going to do any pictures with people it's quite a small audience and um (laughs) any autographs i took along a little picture just in case and she said she started to walk out the door I think someone must have asked her, could she sign something? She said, look, I've got a really long name, so I can't, I'll be here forever if yeah. I sign for you. And I've got to get to that. They were showing some film in Somerset House, you know, after her event. She said, I'm actually going to the film, so I really can't stop. But, um, and there was this little kid in front of her, this young kid who was in, in the best 13th Doctor cosplay I've seen. It was fantastic. <laughs> and she looked at him and she said, but I, oh, I've got to get a picture with this guy before I go. So she got a picture of him. And then I think she looked up and saw all the eyes looking at her and thought, well, I can't just do one selfie. <laughs> so she said, if anybody wants a quick pick though, I can't do autographs, but if anyone wants a quick pick, you know, let's do it. And of course everybody did. So the Never. whole audience kind of got up and, and she was quickly doing selfies with everyone and it was brilliant. So I got a cool selfie with uh, with Jodie, which as you can imagine, I was absolutely made up about. That's awesome. Uh, Frank Skinner yeah. was in the audience as well. He was He's always at these things, isn't he, old Frank? So that was nice to see him. I didn't get a picture with him because uh, I've got one already and I didn't want to bother him. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he was sat right behind me. So good to see Frank's, you know, still, still into Doctor Who. And uh, the only other cool thing I've done, mate, is a friend of mine texted me the other week and said, uh, I've taken a, you know, a few days off work. I really want to do some Doctor Who locations. Do you, uh, do you fancy going out one day? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we were sort of saying, well, where should we go? And we sort of, you know, the usuals come up. Oldbourne, where they filmed, you know, uh, the Damons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, oh, that's brilliant. I've been there. He said, oh, let's go somewhere else then. Um, the Android Invasion. Oh, that's a brilliant location. They've got a good pub. Oh, but you've been there. Let's go somewhere else. So in the end, we went to Wood Norton, I think it was called, which is where they filmed Spearhead from Space. And they also filmed Robot there as well. So I didn't realize they were the same location until we went. I never knew that. And it basically used to be owned by the BBC. It used to be like part of their sort of um, like a little studio or something set up there. They've still got a base right at the bottom of the hill. So 
they've sold off like the main building, which is now a hotel, which is why it's really easy to visit. And then at the bottom of it, there's like this sort of cordoned off iron gates, BBC, do not walk <laughs> down this road, it says. And, you know, and you can just sort of see like a big satellite dish and Studio 2 through the iron gate. So there's still a BBC presence there, which is pretty cool. Uh, but the actual house where they sort of filmed Spearhead, like the interior, was just great. It hasn't changed at all inside. It's all that. I don't know if you remember all the sort of brown wooden walls that they're walking yep. down mm -hmm. at the beginning. I think it's supposed to be a hospital. And then, then there's a cool bit where the third doctor takes a shower in this really old metal shower. To my absolute amazement, the shower is still there. It, it hasn't changed at all. It's like this old Victorian type thing, is it? Is it Victorian? Yeah, you know, it looks so. really yeah. old and strange. And um, so I got a quick picture in the shower and put it on Twitter and, it, you know, got a great response. And, um, and yeah, and then we took a walk up the hill where they film Robot. If you remember the robots sort are of walking down mm -hmm. the hill mm -hmm. when it goes all large and goes all King Kong and all that stuff. So that was, it was just, you know me, I love going to Doctor Who locations and that was just amazing. So, yeah, so I've had quite a few good weeks, mate, really. I'm on a bit of a roller coaster. I'm just all ready now for Series 11. We must be getting close, surely. It must be around the corner now. We're in the beginning of September now, so. yeah. Come on, come, come on, on, BBC! It's got to be, it's got to be soon. Move it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm going to put it out there. There's been a lot of speculation lately about release dates for it. I, I'm going to guess the beginning of October, like the first weekend in October. Yeah, that's what. Well, we we kind of guessed that, didn't we, very early on? Because when we have um, we have a very classy looking Google spreadsheet. <laughs> which has got our plan of all of the shows upcoming that we're going to review. So we plan out normally two or three months in advance. And right from when we were doing, I think it was back in, crikey, April or May, when we started doing um, the Sarah Jane and Torchwood and all that stuff, we started to map out, right, each week we're going to do this one and this one. And then really early on, we put the first week of October. That's where the schedule stops because we've just got an entry that just says possible... Yeah. Series 11 start. So we could be bang on from months ago. That would ago. be really weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, someone <laughs> would be like, they've got inside information. Here we go. Uh, but, yeah, but no, that's, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, just kind of, we put it in there, like you said, just as a sort of, well, bung that in there for now type thing. But it could actually be, couldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. Mm. There we go. So, but, that's, yeah. so that's been me, mate. What have you been up to? Uh, You're mate, obviously very excited for Series 11. Oh, I can't. Oh, do you know what, mate? It's... um. Mm. Still no what sign of the, um, unless I've very uh, sorely mistaken, still no sign of the 13th Doctor Pop Funko. Have you seen it anywhere? No, I haven't. Do you know what? I'm glad you've mentioned that because, um, as you may have seen, you know we've got two Forbidden Planet stores mm -hmm. and they're totally different companies. So there's .com and then there's co.uk, isn't there? Mm -hmm. uh, which one is it that's just closing down their website? It's Code.uk, isn't it? FB International, yeah, .code.uk. Yeah, Forbidden yeah. Planet International have um, have just put up a thing saying that they're, this is very strange, they're, you won't be able to order online from them anymore. So they're keeping the shops open for now, but you can't order online, which uh, normally it's the other way around, isn't it? Normally the shop's shut, but they keep the online presence going. So it's a yes. very strange move. And it's quite worrying, really. And the reason I mention it is because Forbidden Planet International used to get a lot of the pop vinyls which were quite hard to get so yeah i think they they were able to source a lot of the exclusives and they would have more than likely been able to source this 13th doctor pop at some point but now i, I think unless they're going to maybe get some for store that's looking almost impossible 
and unfortunately forbiddenplanet.com have not been able to source it no so no. that means that it doesn't look like it's going to be available through them so that means it's going to be really difficult to get in the uk and it's a shame because it looked brilliant didn't it i remember we both said like i love the look of the 13th doctor pop i can't it was an sdcc exclusive wasn't it so, that's right yep so yep. Yeah, I just got a feeling that's just going to be one of those that's going to pop up on eBay for like hundreds of pounds or something ridiculous. I think it's going to be really hard to get unless um, .com managed to get some, but at the minute they're saying they can't get it. Yeah, it's true. It's a shame, really. So just to confirm, because the naming is a bit um, ironic slash weird for these. So Forbidden Planet International, um, which ironically has just got a .code at UK. <laughs> Yeah, um, website address. That's the one that. Um, so the company isn't closing down, but they they're closing down the website, aren't they? So you won't be able to order anything. I think they will have a site, but you won't. It won't be um, transactional. You won't be able to order any products through it, um, which is so weird. Mm. Um, and the the more, I think I can safely say, the more popular website um, of the two, ForbiddenPlanet.com because that seems to be the larger brand throughout the UK anyway. Um, those guys, nothing's changing with them. They're, they're all good. Um, yeah. But normally what I found in the past is um, ForbiddenPlanet.co.uk, they seem to have decent contacts somewhere. They're able, like you said, to source the um, normally the exclusives. Yeah, um, right. And ForbiddenPlanet.com are usually a week or so late. They, you know, they normally put them up a little bit after that. So right. we've really got to rely on the .com guys to make some new contacts or pull their finger out and, mm. you know, get that rocking and rolling because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's essential. <laughs> I, I was really orders. looking forward to that. Yeah, I was really – because I saw uh, recently as well, because that was the SDCC exclusive, which looked like it's just the 13th Doctor in a coat. And I, was, I remember saying to you at the time, so if that's exclusive, what's the sort of standard – 13th Doctor Pop going to be yeah. and then like you probably saw this a couple of weeks ago there was a picture going up of um, the 13th Doctor Pop but without her coat Oh yeah, and yeah. I was like no I don't want that one that mm. looks boring it's just her in her t-shirt and braces and it just and I can imagine because it's just got that big head and a small thin body with no coat it's just <laughs> going to fall over every time I try and stand her so I was like no I don't want that one I want the one with the coat I want the exclusive so yeah I'm really hoping I don't know Somehow it gets over to the UK, but it is not looking very promising at the minute, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I know, mate. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, so I've been excited. You know, the I think everybody's getting into the, um, um, the on-the-hype train, if you like, um, for Series 11. I'm going to get it right, mm. Series 11. Um, so other than that, um, I've watched a couple of classics. Um after you, so it, quite recently and more recently that you've heard us on the podcast, um, after uh, LFCC, so you you queued up and um, met David Bradley, didn't you? At, um, oh, yes. At LFCC. That, and one of the things that was he really liked was when you said to him that you've been a Doctor Who fan pretty much all your life and uh, an adventure in space and time is one of the most, you know, awesome things that, you know, Who was put out and it's really cool. Yeah. So that just got me in the mood for it, really. So um, I think at some point week before last, I, I shoved that on and, and gave mm. that a watch after you mentioned that. And, it's so uh, good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we've mentioned it a few times, haven't we? It really is mm. a cracking, 
cracking it's story. It's just one of my favourite things ever to do with Doctor Who. We actually watched that with I watched that again with the Who Addicts actually while I was up in Middlesbrough the other week. We watched that after the Dalek movies and or even before I can't remember now, but oh, so good. Really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it still it still baffles me that we don't have a Blu-ray release in the UK for that. <laughs> I know it's the strangest strangest thing anyway uh so i gave that a watch um and that's about it really i've been i've had a very quiet couple of weeks um doctor who wise mm. uh, so yeah very excited for the series no season series 19 set that's coming out though the davison set oh, it's been a, oh yeah because yeah. i was thinking the other day i'm in the mood obviously we've <laughs> obviously we're, we're reviewing a davison today um we completely forgot that we reviewed Snake Dance recently <laughs> as well. So we've done quite a bit of Davison, uh, Doctor Who recently. We, it's funny, I say that because we were looking at the schedule and we were like, right, what story should we do for episode 200? And we were looking through and we were like, oh, we haven't done a Davison for ages. And then, we, and then as soon as we said Earthshock, both of us were like, yeah, Earthshock it is, Earthshock it is. And we completely forgot that only a couple of weeks ago that we did... Uh, <laughs> snake dance obviously yeah. very memorable um so yeah so i'm just yeah can't get enough of fifth dot to the minute it's um yeah it's an interesting choice because a lot of people have said why have they gone straight to season 19 why haven't we got you know a cool oh no i love it you know trout and you know box set or why haven't we got mm-hmm. you know uh season 13 you know the next one along you know tom baker but yeah i don't know i think it I think when you and I talk, spoke about this briefly before, I think it's because the Hartnell and the Troughton and certainly the Pertwee stuff, it's either it's a combination of like missing stories. So you can't really put a decent set together, really. And also the source material, especially for some of Pertwee's earlier stuff. That's right. Dreadful. Yeah. Even though yeah. they've remastered some of it and they've tried to clean it up, it's still a little bit. Um, yeah, it's still a little bit meh. I know a lot because a lot of people just assume that the black and white stuff will be the hardest to, but actually know that some of the Pertwee stuff is, 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 you know, is, is like third or second generation copies that they've had to recolorize. And I'll tell you, his era is going to be a nightmare for them to, to bring up to Blu-ray standard. I'll tell you now, but um, no, I'm, I'm loving it. So yeah. And the other good thing is it's gone straight to the top of the Amazon's pre-order chart as well, which is brilliant. I mean, we're talking about a show that's like 50 years old, you know, or 40 years old, whenever it comes out. So that's really good. It's, it's very promising that we'll get, you know, more box sets and um, I'm all for it. I want them all, <laughs> especially can't wait for the McCoy year to come out on, on Blu-ray. That's the set I'm really looking forward to. Well, I'd have to buy it. I'd have to buy those stories three times, essentially. I know, but that that you know? set you've got's lovely. That German set or whatever it is 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 still nice. It's yeah. So I won't worry about it. I'll still buy it again. It's beautiful, mate. Oh yeah, I'd still buy the, I'd still buy the the new one if they did that. Yeah, you know? they'll have to get him back from his travels, though, won't they, McCoy? It's like, oh, can you stop travelling around the world, Sylvester? We need you to film a new documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw some. Um, I didn't realise he had a website up. Um, where they've, they've put a load of pictures of his travels as he goes across. I think he's in, oh, right. I'm pretty sure he's in Russia now already and doing stuff, I don't know. But Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. definitely, he's on his way to Bangkok, isn't he? I saw, he's, I was following him on Twitter the other day and he was like, I'm at St. Pancras, just on my, another part of my journey and all this sort of thing. So, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Good indeed. Right. I think that's it for <laughs> opening waffle. Should yeah. We, should we land the TARDIS? Okay.
sad news. I know, sad news to kick off. We hate kicking off the show with sad news, and we've got a double whammy of sad news this week. I know. Which is not amazing, but uh, let's let's get into it. So Michael Pickwode, those of you that are into your set design and, and all that stuff uh, will know the name. Uh, Michael has sadly left us. He passes away, was passed away at the age of 73. And uh, Michael was the... Michael was the guy that essentially put his vision of what the TARDIS interior was going to look like um, from his mind onto camera. Mm. Basically, he's the guy that, um, uh, well, he just sort of, he was, um, he was, he sort of oversaw the look and feel, if you like, of how the TARDIS interior was, you know, how it was laid out and and all that stuff um, and the actual you know, design. There's a really cool photo that the that the BBC released um, to go along with this story, and he's holding up a little scale model of the uh, of the TARDIS interior. So this was he 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 took over from Matt Smith's um, uh, a Christmas Carol story. So from that story onwards, and I think he did it for where did he work up to? I think he did um, yeah about seventy episodes. Um, from Matt Smith's first Christmas special. So everything that you saw inside the TARDIS and a bunch of other sets as well, all that stuff, he, he you know, it all came out of his mind and um, mm. uh, such an amazing guy. I mean, it's really, it always amazes me how uh, people like this can just have, you know, just sit in there, whether they're laying in bed or in the shower or they're at their desk, whatever it might be, they just have this vision pop up in their head. It's like, you know, that'd be really cool for the TARDIS to have this. Mm. And then they just take that and, design it and model it and then eventually it ends up as a full-scale prop or a full-scale set and it's just amazing and it's really sad and he also went on to do uh, a load of design work for class as well um so it's very very sad and he did um uh with nail and i as well the old mcgowan oh god yeah you know. great for, i love with nail and i yeah. yeah and also a load of tv work so cavern qc murder most horrid um uh rules of engagement loads of really cool stuff so anytime that you see one of his shows, you would have seen just this really amazing style. Everything's clean and just so well designed. So it's obviously very, very sad that he leaves us um, at the age of 73. But what a legacy to leave behind, though. The, um, you know, having your name next to the design of the TARDIS interior. It's just so cool. Yeah, I must admit, I mean, A, I love this photo that, that they've got for him holding up the model of the you know the TARDIS interior and and I I like that interior as well I was never a big fan of the early Matt Smith one you know that sort of very much steampunk orangey TARDIS I mean it's okay but I was much happier when we got this new for me it looks like a more classic style TARDIS it was a bit clinical to begin with it was very silver wasn't it Mm -hmm. and then gradually over time they softened it they changed the color of the time rotor during Capaldi's era to to orange I think was it because I'm colorblind orange or red or orange wasn't it yeah yeah and um and it I think by by the end of Capaldi's era it was such a gorgeous set you know it really looked nice and i think you mentioned um before that if you went to cardiff to the doctor experience um that they occasionally did you know during certain uh certain stages of the year they do sort of um tardis tours and uh, i was lucky enough to go on one and it was just amazing to see a when you first go in you just see this sort of shell Mm -hmm. this big round shell um, of the set which is all wood and then when you go in 
into the actual what you see on screen and walk in it it was a it was a gorgeous set mm-hmm. and um yeah it, 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 as you said when you see the sort of model shot that he's holding up that translated onto what we saw on screen i think is, is just fantastic yeah awesome so he took mm-hmm. over as production designer in 2010 mm-hmm. and alongside the tardis he also did the he created all the sets for the victorian london um, uh-huh. stuff through to the wild west badlands of scarrow uh, Sherwood Forest, um, the submarine for Cold War, um, and the Orient Express in space train set. You know all that he's done so much. You know, mm. and um, and and I'm not sure if he would have stayed on anyway because you know when we came to the end of the Capaldi and the Moff era, and we're mm-hmm. going to start with the new Chibbers and Whitaker era and stuff. I'm not sure if they would have had a complete redo of all of that stuff anyway. I think so. so I um, think so. Yeah. Yeah, but what a legacy though. It's um. Very, very, very sad, but, you know, uh, it's good that we've got all of his cool work to to look back on when we do these marathons and watch through, so. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah um, in other sad news, like you said, a, a double whammy this week, um, Jacqueline Pierce has passed away at the age of 74. Um, Doctor Who fans will know her best uh, from the six doctor story the two doctors um and she also starred in the big finish audio plays alongside john hurt um mm-hmm. as well so doctor who fans will know for that i of course being a massive blake seven fan um know her best as serverlan um she appeared in all four series of the show she was a huge part of it as well giving an absolutely just uh, knockout performance as Servalan. I mean, anyone who's ever watched Blake Seven will just tell you there's just no one quite like her. Her screen presence was incredible. Mm. So it's very sad um, to hear that she's passed away. Um, she did. I know over the years she's battled cancer and she went off. I think and she, I think she went and uh, did a load of work in a, in a monkey sanctuary uh, not that long ago. And she, she was just an incredible fascinating woman i'm so glad i got to meet her a few years back as well because she was exactly how i imagined she would be if you know what i mean you know Mm -hmm. sometimes they say never meet your heroes and stuff and yeah very very sad to to hear that she's passed away really sad and i knew that you would be gutted about this as well because you're a huge blake seven fan aren't you i think i love it yeah i think you've gone on records to say that it's your favorite um it is yes i'm sorry dot two fans it is my favorite program of all time and she's she's in it a lot i mean she's not in every single episode but she's in it a lot she plays the sort of main baddie in it if you like um and there's just it's very hard to put into words it's her performance is just so unique Mm -hmm. she has something um amazing about her you know, it's just one of those sort of people um, that when you watch Blake Seven, she makes, you know, because Blake Seven's quite low budget. The sets are terrible at times. <laughs> the effects are terrible. At times, but the performances from the cast in Blake Seven are what make it my favourite show. Mm-hmm. And she she was a big part of that. So, yeah. Very sad. I hope I'm right Very in sad. saying about the Monkey Sanctuary because I'm questioning now in my head if that's right. But I, I've read her autobiography <laughs> a few years back and it was fascinating just like the stuff that she did after she left Blake's heaven. And she did a few hammer horror films as well, I think, and, and um, stuff like that. So yeah, there was a lot more to her than sort of Doctor and Blake's heaven, but either way she was, uh, she was quite the character. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. And you, you met her a few times as well. You said she was. Yeah. 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 I met her a couple of times over the years at, at various sort of conventions and stuff. And um, yeah, she was just always just very engaging and fun, a very warm personality. Um, just seemed to really enjoy life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, last bit of news. Um, some happier news. Um, this is kind of cool. So, BBC Worldwide 
have announced that they're hosting a special Doctor Who experience at South Africa's first ever Comic-Con. Wow. (laughs) uh, Which is going to tie in with the new uh, series. Um, I love how every single news article that relates in any way to the new series still doesn't put a date on anything. I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's top secret. Top secret We won't know uh, 10 minutes before it airs, we won't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, Comic-Con Africa um, being held in... uh, Johannesburg, um, on the uh, 14th, 15th, and 16th of September. Um, It's going to feature video games, trivia, fan giveaways, uh, virtual reality experiences, and a special showing of Peter Capaldi's finale and the arrival of a new Doctor. Mm. Mm. Uh, The series will be shown um, uh, something called a Showmax exclusive um, and has been described with this little bit of waffle that says... um, Bigger and bolder than ever, Series 11 marks the arrival of the 13th Doctor, a super smart explorer of the universe, uh, alongside a team of new friends and delightful characters. Mm. Uh, The new series heralds a brand new era of Doctor Who uh, with a world-class team at the helm. Um, The show will be full of action and adventure, humour and heart, and unmissable high-end drama everyone will enjoy. Nice write-up. That's a nice write-up, yeah. So, um, mm. obviously, the vibe that they're going for, by the sound of it, is very, very new Doctor Who. Very much Jodie's um, upcoming adventures and trying to tie mm. in with all that stuff. And apparently, um, the stand number um, will be B113 in the main exhibition hall. So, what do you reckon, mate? Africa oh, getting a, a Comic-Con. I know. I think it's very cool, actually. It just, uh, again, it's a little bit more because the build up to Doctor Who, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, where's the promotion for it and all mm-hmm. this. Sort of I mean, we could still be a month away from from the air date. So I guess we're looking over these next couple of weeks to see what the hype and build up is. I mean, we're assuming we're going to get some hype and build up for it. <laughs> um, so this is great. And it makes you think, you know, um, yeah, are, are we going to get other sort of little exclusive cons? Because you said before, about you know the cinema showings they had a week before in the Capaldi era, and I don't, we're not going to get that with Chibbers. I'm almost certain no. we're not going to get that because he so doesn't want any spoilers or anything. But it, yeah, it's great to see great to see these sort of um, cons happening and getting some Series Eleven exclusives and content and stuff. So yeah, indeedy, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so that's it for news. Not much else going on really. New. Shall we see what old Grumpy Pants has got? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, did he uh, wreck the place while we were away? You were away last week, or was it the house still standing when you got back? No, I don't know what's more unnerving. <laughs> the fact that I got back and the place was still spotless and everything was fine. Mm, okay. I don't know what's more unsettling that, or if I, I was expecting to come back and see um, various other Daleks, you know, on their side with beer cans littered everywhere, <laughs> yeah. bits of plungers not, knocking around and. Just bits of Dalek metal, you know, mm. a good old party, but all quiet, not a, not a, not a sound. Mm, very unnerving. Better get him in. See That's what he's on. like. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Audio annuals. Yes. I think the BBC released one of these a while ago. You know, the uh, the Doctor Who 
audio annual. Uh, they did one, in, and the covers have got that really, really awesome retro mm. old style to it. So there's a new one, the Dalek audio annual. Uh, is going to drop in December, the 6th of December. And it sees the release. Uh, it's basically a collection of all the vintage stories back from the 70s, um, read by stars of Doctor Who. Um, so uh, the blurb on this one, um, it's scheduled to arrive on the 6th of December. Uh, it will be packed with exciting tales of galactic mm. terror, global invasion, and the adventures of a band of plucky human resistance fighters. And uh, the special ADF agents will be Nick Briggs. Nicholas Briggs, involved oh, with the Dalek story. Who would have thought? Who would have thought it? Uh, Louise Jameson and Matthew Waterhouse. Hurrah! They will read five <laughs> stories. And uh, all material is authenticated from Terry's, Terry Nation's Dalek Annuals of the 1970s. So it sounds like what they've done is they've picked out a few cool stories from the old 70s stories that they used to do. And they're going to be read by uh, Louise Jameson and Adric. Mm. Uh, the cover that they did for the previous one, the Doctor Who audio annual, was really cool. This one's just as cool. It'll look awesome I love on the it. shelf, I think. Uh, what do you reckon, mate? 13 quid. Yeah, no, definitely. I love it, mate. I've got the... So, that yeah, you're right. They did the first Doctor annual stories. They did the second Doctor one recently as well. Uh, so, it's nice. They followed it up with this one. I just... I think they're worth buying for the covers alone. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be getting this for sure. 13 pounds. When's it actually out? 6th of December. Oh, right, okay. A, a perfect Christmas stocking. Absolutely. Villa. Yeah, yeah, a Dalek. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, definitely one for me, mate. Uh, in uh, other merch news, another thing that's absolutely 100% for me <laughs> is the next uh, Robert Harrop figure that's coming out, which is, of course, K9. Affirmative. Our little metal friend. Yeah, we saw a... Um, uh, what do they call it? A prototype sculpt of this, didn't we? A couple of weeks back, yeah. Uh, that yeah. Harrop put on their Facebook page, and we both said, "Oh, he looks good." Um, <laughs> and now he's been released, all fully painted and finished, and he looks fantastic. Uh, he's limited to two hundred and fifty pieces, so he's quite limited. Uh, and at the minute, if you order him from the Robert Harrop website, he's sixty-five pounds plus uh, a little bit of postage. Um, so yeah, he's actually. You can actually get him now. He's actually gone on sale. These Harrop figures, the popular ones, and I'm pretty sure he will be, mm-hmm. um, that when they sell out, they do tend to go for three times the price on eBay. So if you want him, I wouldn't hold back on this. I'm, I've already pre-ordered him. I, I can't wait to get him. Um, he's in scale with the fourth Doctor figurine that they did, which I haven't got. But <laughs> for any, so that gives you an idea of the size. So he's going to be a smaller figurine, and he? he's going to be in scale but yeah I, I think he looks great i can't wait to get this one mate you pick and choose the harrow figures a bit like myself so is this one for you i think so Kana? Yeah. yeah i think so yeah it's um it doesn't say when it's going to come into stock though because if you go onto the the robert harrow website it does say availability in stock mm. but it says please allow eight weeks for delivery so That's i don't right. know when yeah. that eight weeks was from um so i imagine it will probably be first couple of weeks of october maybe towards the yeah, end of october said, yeah yeah or yeah i would have said somewhere around there yeah yeah uh, but yeah like you said only 250 of this little guy and uh, he will sell i think i'm really surprised actually when uh, when i had a look on the harrop website when they released the um the news for this um 
I'm really surprised that the special weapons Dalek still hasn't sold out because that's 250. Mm. Um, however, that's a bit more expensive. That's 95 pounds, whereas K9 is 65. So I would say K9 will sell. Yeah, I'm, I've got to admit, I'm very surprised that the special weapon Dalek's still available because we've both got that. And it is, mm-hmm. I know 95 is a lot of money, but God, it is a beautiful piece. And they're probably one of my favorite of the Harrow figures, actually. Yeah. Uh, the Mandrel sold out. He was limited to, was he was 250 as well, I think. Uh, the Mandrel figure, he's gone. So he's probably going for about 150 quid on eBay right now, I should think. So, yeah, um, definitely going to get this one, mate. There is a, I said to you earlier, I was looking at the Doctor merchandise page, and there is this Eagle Moss, you know, the company that do that (laughs) fortnightly magazine that comes with a little figurine um, that are normally around about $8.99. They are doing their own canine uh, as a mega, they do like what they call these mega special magazines. So they do like, Special magazines, which are normally 20 quid, and then they do these mega specials. I think they did a couple of Daleks. Um, and they're doing a canine as well. Um, now, he looks perfectly good, but he's the recommended retail price is £130. And he's currently on ForbiddenPlanet.com for pre-order. He's coming out in December. He's £123 on there at the minute. Did you say you'd spotted him for 99 somewhere? Yeah, that's on the official Eagle Moss website. Okay, so on yeah. Eagle Moss, he's 99 <laughs> Either way, I can't see how he's worth twice the price. I mean, I'll have to see the physical thing, but judging by the Eagle Moss figures that I've got, the quality is nowhere near that of Harrop. No. Um, so I don't quite know. I just can't see. I mean, you know, I love K9. Normally I'll buy any merch <laughs> to do with K9, but even I wouldn't pay 100 quid for this Eagle Moss one unless it's, you know, really good. I mean, I will have a look at him when he comes out, but yeah, I just can't see, can't see why that's 100 quid. I remember when the Dalek mega issues come out, they were like 100 and something quid. And I thought, that's a lot of money. And Eagle Moss quality is not, it's pretty average. Uh, I think, yeah. Um, so I don't know, but I'll get. I'll have a look at him when he comes out to compare. But I'm definitely getting the Harrop one for yeah. sixty-five. I was confused at first because Eagle Moss do have one for eight ninety-nine, and I thought, what's going on yeah. there? But that's the little. Oh. That's the little. You know, the normal sized. Oh, one. they're doing like a little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's only sort of four point six centimeters high. Mm. The little diddy one, but this one you're talking about is the mega one, so it's twenty-three centimeters roughly yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i but, mean that the, yeah. their sort of standard figures are normally you know for what they're 8.99 so you think well okay for the money they're okay and some of them are great i mean they've done a couple of they did the destroyer from battlefield which was a fantastic figure for 8.99 and then on the other end of the scale next week or whatever they've got the fourth doctor season 18 version come out and he looks blimmin awful so again <laughs> it's you know it's difficult i i tend to cherry pick these a little bit some of the but as i said for the price for 8.99 some of their figures have been great but um i don't know that i'd you know stump 100 quid out on on them yeah we'll have to see because i haven't released a proper image of it yet either so we'll have Mm. to see we will yeah uh okie dokie moving on um you you you're a fan of uh of this companion i'm pretty sure i am yes uh (laughs) (laughs) so um sheridan smith uh, is returning as Lucy Miller, uh, to team up with Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor in some new big finish, uh, which is going to drop next year in July. Uh, so there's a new box set on its way. Um, it's 
the first story is called The Dalek Trap. Uh, story number two, The Revolution Game. Number three, uh, The House on the Edge of Chaos. And the last one, Island of the Fendal. Oh, cool. Ooh. 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 Uh, so, yeah, um, The Further Adventures of Lucy Miller. They did, she did a load of the Eighth Doctor Adventures oh, a few years back, and they were brilliant. They were just little standalone um, single CD releases, and they were great. They did four series, I think, of them, and I, I really enjoyed them. That's right, yeah. So, sorry, this box set is set in between her first and second run ah, of her adventures. Okay. Yeah, so it's right, kind of yeah. a, an in-betweeny one with, um, with Paul McGann. And um, uh, Nick Briggs, who's obviously the exec producer, as he is on all of the big Finnish stuff, uh, he said that we always had in mind um, to bring back Lucy. Uh, we only let her go in the first place because uh, we could see Sheridan's stratospheric career path approaching. Mm-hmm. Now, is this something to do with her music career as well? Because yeah, she did I think so. go off and have a few fairly substantial acting parts in a couple of TV series. And she then did. She, yeah, and then she brought an album out and stuff. So it sounds like she's been busy doing other stuff, but now she's got a break um, from queuing up at the job centre. So she's back at a big finish <laughs> and um and uh yeah so i'm not sure exactly on the details of the story um they have got a little bit of blurb um so the dalek trap uh, sees the doctor behaving distinctly out of character and loosely having uh, lucy having to take control to thwart the daleks uh in the revolution game there's uh something sinister uh, in the far-flung future Earth colony, and Lucy is forced to partake in a perilous roller skating contest. Oh, dear. Uh, the house on the edge of chaos <laughs> uh, sees the Doctor and Lucy trapped in a bizarre building packed with eccentric social class-obsessed characters and an emerging alien foe like no other. And the final mm. adventure, image of the fa- uh, island of the Fendal, uh, the classic Doctor Who creature, the Fendal, makes its first appearance on audio. Mm. since the first TV story um, starring Tom Baker. So, um, yeah, this sounds pretty good. I mean, I really like Lucy Miller. Uh, the other stories that I've listened to, um, the Paul McGann stuff, um, I thought she's been really cool. A lot of people thought she'd be a bit sort of common, chavvy, blah, mm. blah, blah. But no, I thought she's, um, thought she's oh, pretty I good. Think yeah. Her and McGann, I think, are great together. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about this news, actually, because, yeah, I do really like the Ave Doctor's adventures with Lucy Bleeding Minna. Um, they do work incredibly well together. I remember when I spoke to McGann, oh, gosh, years ago at one of the LFCCs, and, um, you know, I can never think what to talk to them about when I get to the table, but I did actually say to him, oh, I love this big finish stuff with uh, Sheridan. I said, you know, you two really bounce off each other brilliantly. And he was like, yeah, funny thing is, half the time we're not in the same room. He said, half the time we record completely separately and they mix it together. But I'm glad you glad you liked it. And I was like, oh, right. And so it is. they are great together. Um, so this is coming out in July 2019. God, seems ages away. And it's £25 on CD or 20 on download for pre-order. Um, yeah, I'm, I am pleased she's going back. I, I've been buying all the sort of ape doctor stuff from big finish. And I, although they're all very listenable and very enjoyable, I do feel that he slightly got lost. Right. They slightly lost away a little bit. Cause I mean, after the ape doctor adventures, which were brilliant, we got dark eyes, which started off great. The first dark eyes box set was excellent. Um, and you know, some of the other stuff afterwards was good as well. Then we got ravenous and then they started releasing the time war stuff at the same time as ravenous and it's all got a little bit messy i think um with the ape doctor stuff it's as i said there's some great stuff in there but it's also 
been almost to sort of, I don't know, just feel like he's got a little bit lost. So I think this brings it back to just the eighth doctor and Lucy Miller. And I, I'm quite excited about that. So yeah. yeah. Good stuff. It is good stuff. And lastly, then bringing us up to our 13th doctor, um, Titan comics. have got a whole brand new series of adventures coming out, uh, with the new doctor to, to obviously tie in with the TV series. So these are coming out at the end of September, I believe they're up for pre-order. So no, sorry. Um, October. So 17th of October, these are coming out the very first issue. Um, now we like our variant covers, don't we, Gary? Oh, but do. how yeah. do you feel about the fact that issue one of the new Thirteenth Doctor Adventures is going to have thirteen different variants, mm. <laughs> variant covers? It's yeah. a bit much. I see what they've done there. They've thought Thirteenth Doctor, Thirteenth covers, but I won't be buying all of these, I'm afraid. Although there are some great ones, I will buy a couple of them. I absolutely love the Doctor Puppet variant. <laughs> absolutely love yeah, that it's quite cool yeah yeah there's one of the doctors sort of kneeling on the ground which looks really nice then there's a there's another one which is by an artist ah oh, what's her name it's normally quite good but alice Zang. Zang, but i'm actually yep. not overstruck on that yeah it's it's okay it's not one of her best covers it's okay mm. yeah um one any cov- grabbing you there um yeah there's a couple so the puppet one is quite quirky yeah it's yeah, I like great I love one. Uh, i like the um the just the standard cover actually not I one do. that's a variant. Um, sorry, cover A by Babs Tar. I think that was a really cool sort of cartoon. That's just a kneeling on the ground one, is it? Uh, no, that's that- the the main cover, cover A. Um, it's like a cartoony version. It's in the large image in um, that they that they released. It's um, yeah, it's just the Doctor sort of uh, with a very pink, purpley, sparkly oh, background. One. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Uh, so I really like the standard cover A, and then the other one that's quite cool is um, cover D by Rachel Stott. Uh, it's the doctor lifted up the lid of something and she's re- reaching through to help somebody out, it looks like, which is quite cool. Um, there is a really cool cover, um, which I'm not seeing anywhere in the publicity shots, but um, uh, Will Brooks has done a really nice cover. All right. Uh, which I'm not seeing here, but that's really cool. But like you, I won't be buying all of them. I think 13 variants is a bit... Uh, unless they do, unless Forbidden Planet do like a special offer where you buy all of them and they'll knock like ten <laughs> off or something. I'm not sure, but I don't know. But oh. there's a strange one here as well. This is quite. I don't think they've done this before. They've done a cosplay variant. Now, some people might love that, but for me, firstly, I'm thinking I don't want a Doctor Who comic with somebody, some random cosplay girl on it i don't know i think that's a really odd variant but some people might really like that i don't know what you i don't think you won't be picking up the cosplay variant will you i don't think so no no um uh, and some of the covers haven't been revealed yet as well so there's still a few that are just blank on the website at the minute so yeah we'll see what they're like yeah yeah a little bit hit and miss these ones though i won't I be picking all so. of them up but um yeah. it's good though that we get a new bunch of stories for the 13th doctor and um yeah hopefully it will coincide nicely with the Series 11 kicking off because, um, again, these guys have not put any concrete dates. Actually, you said, what was it, something of October? I think on ForbiddenPlanet.com you can order them f- and it's 17th of October is the right, date given right. at the minute. Might okay. change, but yeah. Okay, so that sounds like a week or two weeks after the series kicks off. So Sounds like it, yeah. That might be cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rightio. News are merch done. Yep. So for episode 200... Uh-huh. We're doing a story of a 
of a doctor that we've not reviewed in in months and months. <laughs> we just can't get enough of, of Davidson <laughs> at the minute. <laughs> yeah. So what are we doing this week, buddy? So yes, it's the classic Fifth Doctor story this week. It's time to say goodbye to Adric. So tissues at the ready. <laughs> it's Earthshock. We have intruders in the hold. I want them caught. You're trying to make a fool of me. It's all true. A bomb on Earth, controlled from the ship. Whoever planted it is now in your home. Did I an army down here and no one would find it? How many of these silos are you carrying? 15,000. They're an invasion force. What are they? Cybermen. We meet again, Doctor. This time, we will not fail. This time, we will not fail. <laughs> I know that face. Kill him. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> Kill him at once. Kill uh, him. Very British Cyberman. Very, very British Cyberman. Yeah, yeah. Right then, Earthshock. It was first broadcast back in March of 1982. Uh, it's a four-parter. It was written by Eric Sayward and directed by Peter Grimwade. Mm. Uh, the stars... It's got a fairly substantial um, supporting cast and our time team of Nissa, Tegan and Adric alongside Mr. Mr. Davison. Hello. Hello. Mr. Davison. Well, it's... Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Mr. Davison is the fifth Doctor. And the story is thus, the Cybermen are back... And their plan is to blow up the Earth. Yeah. And they do this via uh, hijacking one of the, um, uh, sorry, one of the um, uh, space freighters, I think, the best mm-hmm. way to describe it. And there's a giant bomb on board. Uh, they've done the off, um, and it's slowly cruising towards Earth. It's going to wipe out the human race. The only person left who could potentially save the day is our our whiny little uh, companion, Adric. And uh, fortunately, or unfortunately, I'll leave you guys to decide on what word you want to use there. Uh, He doesn't solve the equation and ends up getting blown to smithereens. (laughs) I'll leave it up to you to decide on your feelings on Adric, if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, But along the way, we have um, lots and lots of um, people getting captured, Cybermen getting shot, lots of, um, candy cane looking lasers going off and mm. <laughs> oh, there we go so I've shot make mates yeah it's lots of death isn't there it's typical Eric Sayward yeah. loads of people loads of death Eric Sayward um, quite dark what do you reckon to this one then? I love it mate you love I, it absolutely, I do I love Eric Shock I think it's a great story and uh, one of the few where I think you know, you can't say it's overrated. I just think it is an absolute gem of a story. It's dark, gritty, loads of action, lots going <laughs> on. Um, yeah, it's a good one, this. And obviously, I, th- I think the fact that Adric is killed off um, is quite a milestone for the show, really. Yeah. It, it, it stayed with me. I mean, I was there back in 1982, was it? 1982, yeah. yes. Yeah. I was there watching the TV. Um, I would have been five, six, seven or eight years old. So quite young and yeah, couldn't quite believe my eyes that when, when Adric blew up, I seriously couldn't actually joking aside. I remember thinking, yeah, he, he can't be dead. He'll be back next week. Surely the doctor will 
go back and rescue him but hang on a minute there's no music over the end credits that's a bit strange but no no i'm sure he'll be i'm sure he'll be saved next week um and he wasn't <laughs> you know i mean uh, as, as a sort of uh, a sort of eight seven or eight year old i I must admit, at the time, Adric was the character I, you know, sort of related to. I wanted to be Adric. So I wanted to be traveling with the Doctor and the TARDIS like Adric. So I've always sort of quite liked him in a way um, because of that. You know, I've sort of grew up with Adric as a companion. So, yes, he's annoying. He even says at the beginning of this story, doesn't he, that everyone's treating him like a joke and he's a bit of a brat. <laughs> and Matthew Waterhouse wasn't the best actor, as as you know, I think he will acknowledge. But, but I did think it was... Um, sad and i at the time as a kid so it had an impact on me but i also think absolutely the right move to to kill off a companion and add a bit of danger that actually you know it's not always safe traveling with the doctor i mean one of the things i think that in the new series is you know especially with rory perfect example killed off about 20 times (laughs) uh during the moffat era always brought back to life if you keep doing that it totally defeats, yeah, you know, yeah. any sort of sense of, of danger at all. And you just think, oh, well, they're going to get out of it every week. And and I think this showed us that, you know, Adric doesn't get out of it. The Doctor couldn't go back and save him. And although I think he probably could have if he'd really wanted to. But, um, you know, it just brought it home and uh, definitely the right decision to to kill him off, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just think it's a, good, a very good. So it's a good Cyberman story as well. I know we said they're very British, which they are. They're very posh, dogging Cybermen. Um, but I do think it's a great Cyberman story as well. They're also very threatening. Um, you know, as well as being posh, they do have a, a threat level in this story. They're not a pushover like in sort of Silver Nemesis or something like that. They right, right. they do go round and then, you know, they get shot a thousand times, but they, they don't get killed. They keep coming towards you and they do kill a lot of people. And I think they're, they're goodness. So I think it's a good Cyberman story as well. So, yeah, high praise from me on this one. I like it a lot. High praise. Mm. Indeed. What about you, mate? Yeah. Overrated or a good one? No, I think this is a cracking story. Mm. And I can mm. see I can see why, uh, why a lot of people do have that opinion that it's overrated. But I think because this is, this is Davison's first series, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. 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 So we have... Uh, you know, talking on experience, sometimes it does take that first series to get out. You know, you get that one out of the way and then you've, we mm-hmm. typically find that actors find their feet and they bring sort of their own version, their own little nuances to the character, how they want the Doctor to be uh, to be received by people. And with the exception of, I'd say with the exception of Matt Smith, who for me was a doctor that just hit the ground running and was, mm. you know, very consistent from the eleventh hour. Yeah, you know, he was. Um, his performance didn't change too much in how he. I mean, the way that he was written changed slightly over his era, but how Matt Smith played the doctor was, for me, you know, the most consistent mm. of all of all the actors. But in some respect, that's true of Davison. But it's really. It, when you when you watch stories like this one, you think, "Crikey, this was only his first series, and he's really mm. going for it in this one." His performance is brilliant throughout this entire story, really, and it was a great reveal. I remember reading that. Obviously, I didn't watch this when it first went out. I was only two years old, but mm. uh, I remember reading that um, John Nathan Turner did a great job of 
concealing all of the twists and reveals. So nobody knew that the Cybermen were going to come back. Mm. That end of episode one cliffhanger must have been a belter for for people watching it live at the time. And uh, he also kept Adric's death uh, 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 all wrapped up, and that was a real twist at the end of the whole story as well. So mm. obviously a lot easier to do back then. There's no internet, no social media, nothing leaks as it does today. But it still would have been fairly a bit of a challenge to keep all of that uh, to stop anybody talking to newspapers or anything like that. So really good job of keeping it all under wraps. And like you said, it's a, a bit of a milestone as well. The The death of Adric at the end is very, mm. uh, what's the word? Uh, very, not important, but very poignant in that... Poignant, yeah. In that, like you said, it's not always... Travelling with the Doctor was almost invincible up to that point. You know, the Doctor's mm. always going to be there to save you, is always going to be around and... You know, you know. Unfortunately, even in newer Doctor Who, and especially in the Moff era, even when you're dead, you're not really dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and also, yeah, of course, Clara. That's a, another perfect example, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Killed her off in Face the Raven. Next week, she's back. It's just, it just, yeah. And you know, that's one thing I love about classic heroes. No, if you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> that's right. You know, there's yeah. no, there's no, none of this going back and shooting fellow Time Lords and saving companions none of that none of that Nonsense. malarkey no no it's just been and done I, I do just got to quickly pick up on what you said about the lengths jnt went to to conceal adric's death as well because he even you know gives him a cameo in the next story uh time flight uh simply just so that his name appeared in the following week's radio times it didn't so people wouldn't even suspect because they're like oh no he's you know matthew oh, right. waterhouse is in next week's story so just that brief cameo was just <laughs> enough to get a credit in the radio times to help Clever. conceal the fact that he got got killed off so yeah i, I like i like the fact that jnt went to those lengths even back then clever mm. yes okay we'll come on to adric in a little while and his uh, his final scene and so on, uh, but overall, I think that the the direction and the editing on this story was really really enjoyable really? to watch, mm. and it was it's one of those classic Who stories where when when we've reviewed classic Who in the past, we normally split up the the viewing of said episodes. So I, I what I normally do is watch two if it's a four part, I watch two together and then three and four maybe the following day or later mm. that evening but this story is one that i can put on at the beginning and i'll happily sit there and watch all of it until the end of episode four it's really um, one of those stories that i can just watch all the way through i'm the same mate. i actually yeah. watched it all the way through um yeah i didn't even think about it really because like you sometimes i break them up i'll watch two and think right you know that'll sometimes the story benefits from having that little gap because you sort of come into it wanting to watch it. But yeah. yeah, this one, I blitzed straight through all four episodes without even really thinking about it. I just was enjoying it that much. And I've seen it a few times as well, you know. It's not as if it's like a story that I haven't mm. sort of seen or I knew exactly what was coming. Yeah. Uh, but I still really enjoyed watching it again, yeah. Or if it's a bit of a slow one, just watch it on one and a half speed. I, I can honestly say I've never done oh. that. I'm not going down that Strap road. But no, I... Come on. <laughs> No, I have never done that. No, me either. Even no. even with stories like uh, the following story, Time Fly, I've always watched them <laughs> as they should be. But sometimes they do benefit from being, you know, watching 
one or two and then the yes. other two the yeah. following night yeah well that's the thing with classic who isn't it it wasn't designed to be binge watched altogether mm-hmm. you know at the time they were going out once a week so they were written yeah, yeah. in such a way that yeah it was once a week kind of thing they weren't mm. you know they didn't foresee back in the 70s and 80s that fans would buy them on a disc what the hell multiple is a disc? yeah yeah multiple reissues of yeah dvds and blu-rays no that's absolutely true you know i, I must sorry i was just gonna say i must pick up what you said about the direction now i think um peter grimwade does a fantastic yeah. job on this yeah. the direction is excellent and they they talk about him on the making of he he wasn't very popular with the cast i think the cast found him very difficult uh to get on with um i mean they, they make no bones about that on the making of on this DVD, but, but at the end of the day, he got the result, I think, you know, uh, and I think they, they will agree with that, even though he, they found him tough to work with at the end of the day, what is, you know, on screen, what he managed to produce mm-hmm. is, is brilliant. And, uh, and as I said, they, they will agree, you know, the actors involved will agree with that as well. They think it's a great story. So yeah, yeah. tough director, but he got results. I think he got results. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, I'm going to go out on a bit of a, I'm going to walk the plank a little bit here, but I would say that sometimes that's needed with directors. Mm-hmm. Of course, it helps if everyone gets along and it's all nice and family feel and all that stuff. It's, you know, Brucey bonus. But I yeah. think that at some point, because Doctor Who seems to be the type of show, and I, I'm, again, I'm no expert in this area, but I'm assuming that a lot of shows are like this, where there's lots of fingers creeping their way into the pie. Mm, mm. There's one big pie and there's lots of fingers in there. So uh, whenever you've watched the behind the scenes, especially in New Doctor Who, alongside the, the director of a said episode or story, you've also got a lot of people chipping in. Mm. So you've got, obviously, the showrunner at the time. So it would have been John Nathan Turner on this one. Uh, or if it's the MOF or RTD or whoever it is, and you've got the other producers, and then you've got the actors, and then you've got other people. You know, it seems to be that you don't hire the director. Like on a film, mm. on a feature film, you have the director and they oversee everything. And it's their decision on what happens and how things look, and they work alongside the producers. It seems to me that with Doctor Who, sometimes the director doesn't really, and the writer as well, those guys don't really have the final say sometimes. You might have the producer that says, actually, we're going to do it like this. And they're like, no. So for me, I would say that sometimes having a strong director, even if you have to to upset a few people along the way, it feels like it's a good thing because the way I see it is that if somebody approached me and said, we want you to direct a story, I'd be like, okay, cool. And then when it came down to it and you're on your first day and people are saying, actually, I know you want to do it this way, but... We're going to do it. I'd be like, no, 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 no. No, you, you hired me to direct this because you appreciate the talent. Mm. So I'm going to do it the way I should feel it. If, if that upsets you, you know, mm. there's the door over there. Don't let it knock you on the way out sort of thing. <laughs> so I think roughing a few feathers and upsetting a few people, I think sometimes is a good thing because it feels like with regulars, especially in Classic Who, people that have worked together a long time, writers and producers and stuff, it can get a bit too comfortable. So I think sometimes you need somebody to come along that just says, right, you know, we're going to do it this way. 
And if they're like, oh, we don't really work like that, it's like, well, tough. Mm. You know, this is what we need to do. We need to achieve this. So just get on with it. He was very much an on-the-floor director. I mean, a lot, a lot of directors would sit up in the gallery to direct, but apparently Peter Grimwade was right down there in the action, you know, doing yeah. his little, oh, let's get this shot right and stuff. And yeah, I, I, do, I do agree with you. I mean, I think Davison's obviously, you know, it's his first series, so he's probably not maybe confident enough to to sort of question too much of what he was being told to do. Uh, I'm sort of thinking back to Tom Baker in his sort of later years when directors found him very difficult to to direct and you know don't know how peter grimway would have handled that would have been fireworks i should imagine <laughs> him and tom together but but yeah at this point i guess you know davison wouldn't have um questioned it too much even but at the end of the day i think what he's managed to get on screen is fantastic and uh, it, it does look good it you know this this was made in 1982 or 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 mm or when aired in 1982, for me, it still looks very good. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of Davison's era is quite overlit, very bright sets. And in this, it's quite dark, uh, which is unusual for Doctor Who mm-hmm. backing the classic era because they used to like to turn all the studio lights up to full, you know, no matter what. <laughs> so we get quite dark caves and, you know, the sort of ship hangar where a lot mm. of the action takes place is quite dark as well it really adds to the atmosphere it i does. think in this yeah. you know yeah. so yeah he did a good, very good job no i agree and the when they re-released it on dvd they did say that they went through like a remaster a cleanup of the the original footage and so on and it looks mm. fantastic on the um on the dvd um and i can't wait for this to come out on the new blu-ray box set that's coming out when is it november mm. is it now it's been put back isn't it is it november it'll now? probably go back yeah. yeah yeah um so i can't wait to watch it on that when they when it's you know had another a re-look at it and an upscale and so on so but i think when i've because I, I haven't watched this one in a little while and i remember sticking it on and thinking cry you know even the opening because sometimes classic who there's a bit of a jarring effect between on location stuff and set stuff. There's a real big difference in. Oh, you can tell, yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, this is really consistent. So the opening shots when they're climbing around the hills in the in the quarry and stuff, and mm. and then when it cuts to the ship's um, sort of command deck place, uh, and even the cave, like you said, and the the hangar, which is really dark, you don't really notice much of a big shift in sort of picture quality between the two it's but it's done a really good job of i think you know the 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 restoration team those dudes that saw all the picture quality out and so on before it goes out Mm. they did a fantastic job so i remember watching it thinking this looks really good i know we're in the 80s now and you know equipment's moved on at this point from the pertwee era and the baker era and stuff it's all you know moving in the right direction but some of it still there are a few pertwee um Davison stories that still look a little bit ropey. The next one, for example, Time Flight, even that's got a few ropey bits in it where it doesn't look oh, very yeah, I mean, good. Yeah, it does. It does look very clean and crisp. But I, I mean, I'm sort of thinking back to um, Enlightenment as well. I remember when I got the DVD that, and it's like the dark scenes where the TARDIS lands in the you know the boat hold. Yeah, it yeah. really looks grainy, and I was thinking, God, this has been remastered as well. Imagine what the original sort of source material look like. Um, this does look very clean. Like I said, the location shots at the beginning look good. Um, and yeah, you're right, actually. It's not... Sometimes when we cut from studio to, uh, from location to studio, it can look really jarring, can't it? Um, yeah, that's yeah. a very good point, actually. Yeah, it does flow really nicely, this story. 
so I agree with you on that, mate. Yeah, it does. It does look very good. Yeah. And the way it's edited as well. Not So the direction's great, as we've said, but the way it's been edited together, because it does have a... It does have a nice mix, that really cool classic Who mix of... There's a bit of action in there. There's some really nice scenes between certain characters. Uh, and in some classic Who stories, those are the bits that normally feel like it's dragging along a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you've got something fairly fast-paced going on and some action, that's done with, and then we cut to just maybe two people talking. And it's those scenes that sometimes can drag on a little bit, and it makes it feel like a bit of a slog maybe. Um, Especially as the Cybermen reveal is held off right to the end of episode yeah. one. Because, like, um, I didn't find episode one boring at all. In fact, I really liked the first episode. And, it, you know, it's, like you said, we're mostly dealing with um, we're being introduced to new characters and they're a sort of group of, what are they, ex- um, what are they doing? They're in that cave. Yeah, <laughs> I so I think they're like, um, there's a geologist and geologist i think so not you know you could that could quite easily be boring but it's Mm -hmm. not at all actually it's like the tension's really good in that first episode with these strange androids that the cybermen are using for some reason going around picking off all these sort of um you know people in the cave and it's i was saying to you wasn't like this it's funny that when they get killed the only thing that's left is that very conveniently is the name badge <laughs> on yeah. the, uh, on the, you know, uh, person. So that's, but, but it does, it's a great atmosphere and it, I find episode one really engaging considering a lot of it is new characters that sometimes if you get people who aren't particularly good at acting, um, and you get a group of them for majority of an episode, it can become very boring very quickly. And, uh, and thankfully that's not the case with this one. I think they're really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then story-wise, it's a fairly it's a fairly decent story across four parts. And mm. when was the last Cyberman story then? Re- the- is it Revenge of the Cybermen, I think? It was Revenge the or- Baker one back in 75. I don't think they appeared after that till now. Yeah. I think I'm right in saying that, yeah. So obviously you have the, the big classic Doctor Who-style monster back in this one. So the... Mm. The Cybermen and the Daleks, they seem to be, you know, the the, the big two mm. throughout, you know, classic Who. And I'm, I was really enjoying the story even before the, um, the Daleks, even before the Cybermen reveal at the end of episode one. I thought Me it was too. Yeah. going along really nicely. And then once the Cybermen come into it, we do have a, like a real nice build-up of suspense if you like or tension or whatever it was whatever it is across those other three episodes because they do have a bit of a master plan the cybermen it's uh mm-hmm. although they have little hiccups along the way they do have this master plan and it's right until you know the very end it's and it's a kind of uh we'll come on to it in a minute but the ending's a little bit convenient isn't it it's a little bit with the dinosaurs, you mean? The dinosaur and the time mm. shift and, and that stuff. So yeah. it does sort of it does sort of wrap up slightly conveniently at the end. I mean, it's not a terrible ending. It's still good. Mm. But I, it, the, the build-up from the cliffhanger episode one through to that, you know, the last part of episode four, is very, very cool. And mm. uh, for a Cyberman, because just like the Daleks as well, the Cybermen have, have got sort of hit and miss stories haven't they across all of yeah. doctor who so sometimes you do have those stories and you think oh come on you know they're, they're better than this the daleks are better than this the cybermen are better than this and it's usually down to their threat level where it 
he sort of loses its way for me anyway. So if I if I'm watching a Dalek or a Cyberman story, and I think, especially in newer Doctor Who, the Cybermen seems to be a bit wet. In, no, in, I don't in, really in like them in the new series. I particularly don't like the the redesign in the new series. I mean, I I love the design of them in this. Right. I love the because in Revenge of the Cybermen, um, they they you know they have a very different look, don't uh-huh. they? Um, I, I prefer this. I, I really like the sort of 80s Cybermen look, yes. uh, especially yep. sort of like the, you know, this, yeah, just overall design of them, I think is much better in this. Yeah. They look awesome in this. It, I think it's a better really? Cyberman story than Revenge as well. Um, yeah, I, I haven't so. watched Revenge for a while. Um, I don't think we've reviewed it, have we? Have we re- reviewed? No. So I'll keep my feelings on that one quiet then for now. But but I think in terms of a Cyberman story, this is, they're much more, they're a bit more kick-ass than this one. <laughs> Yes, they are indeed. Yeah. And yeah, so f- for me, some Cybermen stories, it's the same with the Daleks as well. They mm. just feel like they're not threatening enough in some stories. It feels like they're used more of a, almost like a plot device for something else Yeah, yeah. in some stories. Like what was the new, uh, the mod? is it the Age of Steel and something else, the, the um, Tenant story? Uh, yeah. Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel. You know, it felt to me like they were just used as a bit of a plot device because there was a more important important character. It was the old guy. Was it Trigg from Only Fools? What's the character's yeah, name? Yeah, Luminic, Luminic or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, there's in this story, though, it's just the Cybermen. They're not backed by some old rich dude somewhere. They're not used by another monster or villain anywhere else. It's mm. just them... They're back to their old ways. They want to conquer the universe. The first step is to remove the threat of the human race and their military stuff. And even though the Doctor tells them at some point in the story that humans have sort of branched out into space and even if you destroy the Earth or life on Earth, there's still humans around. You know, that's not going to go away. Their reaction or their reply is just, well, it will be a good show of force, you know, if we if we do this, it will show them that we mean business sort of thing. Mm. So I love that they're back to their old ways and it's just them trying to conquer everything. And and they do seem threatening as well. Yeah. Throughout the entire story, they don't mess around. They'll happily kill people. And, you know, this is one of those darker classic Who stories. A lot of people die in this. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think overall the story and the way it builds and the way that the... The, the various groups, because it's another one of those tried and tested formulas with Classic Who mm-hmm. where you have the main cast sort of branch off into two teams, which we see quite often, don't we, where not yeah. all of the companions and the Doctor stick together throughout the story. So you have Tegan that goes off with the other military and the Doctor uh, group. You have um, Adric and the Doctor off on their... You know, they get captured, don't they, along with the other crew members of the the Fraser. Um, and Nissa, unfortunately, just gets... Shoved in the TARDIS as usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stay poor in there. Nissa. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the way in which the Cybermen have to deal with both of those different things is 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 great. And, and I think that's what makes it a cool... Along with some of the performances, that's what makes it a cool story for me. The, mm. So the Cybermen being threatening again, really cool you know, back to their old ways. And then you've got Tegan doing doing her thing. You've got the doctor doing his thing. And, and it all kind of culminates nicely at the end with this, 
very sad ending, obviously, mm. depending mm. on your view of Adric. Very sad ending. Um, but also a really satisfying ending as well, if that makes sense. It's not one mm. of these endings where everything's wrapped up super quick and conveniently and a big reset button pushed. It's not one of those. It does end fairly quick, but it's been a build-up to that point. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Because I mean, even the fact that we get to see dinosaur bones in the cave mm-hmm. wall, don't we, and all that, and you know, you don't really think anything of it at the time. But obviously, when we get to the end, and we're like, oh, okay, dinosaurs <laughs> wiped out. Gotcha. Um, I, I also love the fact that Cybermen recognise the TARDIS before yeah, the Doctor because yeah. they see the Doctor's face, but he's regenerated, so they don't recognise him to start with. But they see the TARDIS. And they start putting two and two together, don't they? That's that's the other thing I like about Cybermen and this, is they're not stupid. They actually, you know, they're quite clever and they piece things together. And, you know, we get that lovely flashback scene, don't we, with all the Doctors, you know, all the sort of previous Cybermen stories. I love, you know, I like it when we get a flashback scene in the classic era because they do it. It seems to be there for a reason, right? And it's only every now and again, if you know what I mean. It's not like yeah, the modern yeah. series. I mean, like in twice upon a time we had that strange scene didn't we where the first doctor shown all the previous doctor incarnations he's like i don't recognize these people and all that but in this one we just get a nice simple little flashback scene to sort of show us the previous cybermen stories and bring us up to date so i like that i like that bit it's, it's not my it's not my favorite flashback scene my favorite <laughs> flashback scene is the um mordred undead one with the brigadier oh, where, yeah. where the doctor's trying to get him to remember and mm. oh that. Mainly because of the music, I think. Oh, it's cool. It's, just, it's yeah. such a good flashback. But this is a good flashback scene. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> it's always cool having a, a flashback scene. As long as, as, long as they don't do it too, too often. Too often. Just now and, yeah. You read my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think to the, um, the motives then of the Cybermen in this? Because as far as we can see, the only... Um, their their sort of sole purpose, their sole reason, if you like, um, is to put this little briefcase size bomb <laughs> on <laughs> yeah. the um uh onto the freighter. Because I think the uh the 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 story changes slightly, doesn't it, halfway through because mm-hmm. the doctor mm-hmm. disarms the bomb. Sure. And uh it's then that they come up with the the idea of of crashing it into the earth. Is that right? Because it yeah, it yeah. seems to be because I, I must admit I was, I was sort of thinking you know when I was watching this again the other night that that bomb, uh, the the first bomb that like you said the sort of um, <laughs> the tiny bomb I was thinking is that supposed to blow up the world because that's quite a small bomb hmm. for the yeah so I wasn't quite one hundred percent sure what was going on there because it seems to me like because the doctor defu- defuses that bomb they're then like oh well okay plan B let's just use this freighter that we're hiding on to smash into the earth and blow it up then. So yeah, it seems to me that that bomb should have been a little bit bigger, <laughs> the original one, a if it's bit. supposed to blow up the world. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess that's, it doesn't bother me too much. I guess no. it's just the way Davidson handles those scenes are pretty good. Um, Cause I, you know, there's that bit where he sort of burns his hand and he starts using his jacket <laughs> to go through it. Yeah. I'm, I was quite convinced by it. I said, I can see he's working. He's working the scene, Davison, quite well. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the story kicks off quite in a funny manner. Did you like the little ruck between Adric and the Doctor at the beginning? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But it's funny because you were talking earlier about it being Davison's first series and him 
still still finding his feet as the doctor and i think davison's good in all of his stories but he definitely gets better um towards the end of his era i mean he's absolutely on fire by the time we get to case Andrazani. um i think in this one he's you know a little bit shaky at the start so those scenes with him and Andrick are a little bit i wouldn't say he's on top of his game yet um they're perfectly good <laughs> But he's a little bit, because he's, he's getting really frustrated with Adric, isn't he? And he's like, oh, it's a lot of huffing. And then he decides that the best place to go to relax is a, is a cave, which I find really bizarre. He's like, oh, I need to, I need some time out. I'm just going to land the TARDIS in this cave and chill out for a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, he, but he hits his stride for me once he starts disarming that bomb and then the Cybermen are introduced and, and then by the sort of, you know, by the time he actually meets the cyber leader, mm-hmm. I think Davison's fantastic in this story, you know, gets that brilliant speech, doesn't he? About, you know, little things being important to people and a home cooked meal or something, yeah. <laughs> something strange, but that's a great scene. And he, he's so good in, in, mm-hmm. you know, moments like that. He really sort of, again, seems to found his doctor quite quickly. Whereas I think at the beginning, he's a little bit, uh, I'm not too sure. I didn't really feel he was, he was sort of huffing and puffing a little bit too much, I thought, at the start. But, <laughs> but he's great once he does hit his stride in this story. Once he know. gets going, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. There's a couple of cool little twists in the story as well. Uh, some people have a sort of 50-50 opinion on this one, but did you mm. like the... Because I find it a little bit too convenient. So when, when the Doctor and Tegan and, are in the cave at the beginning, they find mm. the, the, the fossils in the wall, the yeah. dinosaur and... Davison, uh, the, sorry, the Doctor gives a little, tiny little speech as to, you know, what they are and, and stuff and how the dinosaurs were wiped out. And then at the very end, it's all, you know, the, the jigsaw puzzle fits back together that the reason that the dinosaurs were wiped out wasn't because a random meteorite had struck the Earth. It's actually the freighter with the, uh, with the bomb on it that Adric couldn't <laughs> sort out. Um, mm. So that's the first one. It's like a little twist. It's like, oh, because it sort of links back to the beginning of the story and so on. Uh, and then we have the other little twist where the, uh, what is he, like the third in command or second in command, I think his name's Snyder. Um, the guy on the ship, he's actually a traitor, isn't he? He's been in oh, cahoots yeah, I forgot with about the, that. Yeah, yeah. He's in cahoots with the Cybermen. He sort of enables mm. them to stow away on the freighter in the first place and helps them sort of come onto the the command in the command room and so on. So there are a couple of little twists in the story. Quite clever. Mm. What do you reckon yeah, to he, the dinosaur bit? Yeah, I don't mind the dinosaur bit. Actually, I quite, I quite like that because they do do that a few times in classic Q, don't they? They do it in another Davison one, don't they? The visitation where they do the great fire of London and <laughs> tie it in. And yeah. I think it's okay as long as you don't do it every week. Otherwise <laughs> it gets a little bit too convenient, doesn't it? It's like, Oh, the doctor was there and a bit like, it gets annoying, a bit like the Clara thing in, in Modern Who, where, oh, Clara was there when the Doctor chose his TARDIS, and Clara was there when then. And it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. does she need to be there every week? It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, I think if you just do it now and again, I think it's quite nice. And for me, I don't mind it. I actually quite like the fact that, you know, that they use it as an explanation for the dinosaurs being wiped out, I think is, is okay. Mm. But, um, but I'm just glad they didn't sort of do it too much. You know, I think they, they do the fire of London in, you know, in the visitation and that's all good, but they don't think they do it too much in the Davison era, uh, that I can think of anyway. No, 
No, I don't. So think for so. me, I don't mind it, mate. No, I don't, don't have a problem with it. Oh, I good. think it ties yeah. up the story quite well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good link back because that little reference to the fossils at the very beginning, because it was so early on in the story, you may have forgotten about it by the time you get to the end, or sort of halfway through episode four. So it's when yeah. the um, it's when the ship starts to shift in time, isn't it? Because of the antimatter or something that Adric's messing that's around right, with. That's right, yeah. It's flicking in through different time zones yeah. or whatever, yeah. yeah so but that's good because I like that because it means, because that's a good way of explaining why the Doctor can't save him as well. Because you are sort of thinking like, you know, surely the Doctor can, yeah. can get on there and get him off. Um, so it, it does have a sort of, um, it, it doesn't feel too convenient because of that because you sort of think, yeah, the ship's floating between the two. You know, and so it could end up in that time zone, and I quite like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like it. Don't get me wrong; I think it's a cool link to that a little conversation at the beginning of the story. I just find the time shift just a tad bit too convenient, <laughs> convenient. for me. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. It's like when Adric starts to mess, and he disables um, one of the the control little um, puzzles on the control lock. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh, he's, he's messed. You know, that's altered the. Uh, the the time shift and then just, when he yeah when he does the second one it brings him out of the warp or the shift and it just yeah. so happens to be exactly 65 million years ago <laughs> so i find it a little bit confusing but i still think it's uh, not confusing convenient but i still convenient. think it's a very cool uh, little link um yeah. okay uh, what about the sets then before we get on to characters uh, we mm. mentioned that it's um the majority of classic who whenever you get on a set they like to whack the lights up and it all looks very bright and in your face, especially some of the other Davison stories. Uh, War- Warriors of the Deep, I'm looking at you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, the sets just seem to be very consistently over the top all the time. Mm. Uh, but Ark of Infinity is a bit like that. All of the sets are really bright all the time. Um, yeah. But this one, um, we're assuming it's down to Peter Grimwade again. Uh, but I found them to be built very well and also used cleverly throughout the story so mm. the the one that's used pretty pretty cool is the hangar in the freighter so it looks like they built just two or p- possibly three different sets with that dark background and these big massive metal crates and that's metal yeah. stairways and stuff but the way that they they repeated the sets they just changed the camera angle or changed the the depth of field and it made it look like there's this huge hangar. Um, so there was a bit where the Doctor and Adric are walking between these huge metal crates and they come out the other side. And all it is is the same set that they entered. It's just a different camera angle. Um, and they made it look like there was loads of Cybermen as well. So I think it's episode three where all of the Cybermen start coming out of their containers and out of mm. their little... Um, little shrink wrap <laughs> plastic <Yeah>. bags. <laughs> um, I think they only had about eight actors, I think, in cyber suits. Mm. But the way that they repeated some scenes with lots of different angles and the way that they used the same set but just shifted the camera and then just repeated it, with it made it look like there was loads of Cybermen and that the hangar was a lot larger than what it actually was, these small sets that they had built. So really appreciate the sets the set design and stuff because again in some classic who it can feel like it's just a bit of a theater production where you've got the main elements of the set and then it's just a a black curtain behind yeah do you know what i mean i think the cybermen i think the fact you said like you know there's not that many 
actual Cybermen in it, but to me, it feels like there's an army there. Um, I think that's a that's a credit to direction because you're quite right. I know they do that sort of camera trickery uh, at the end of episode three or whatever, where they sort of split screen it and make it look like there's loads of Cybermen walking towards you. But but it does the overall sort of feel of the story. It feels like there's loads of Cybermen in there, doesn't it? You know, like when they're all being having the sort of battle i know you mentioned the fact the lasers aren't particularly good but <laughs> but the the battle scenes it feels like there's loads of cybermen on that ship even if there's only a handful it, it's yeah so i think that's down to direction and the sets are, are good um they are basic but i think they use well and i think the model shots work really well because quite often another thing that could be jarring about classic q is when we get a model shot and then it cuts to the sort of action. And in this, we get a model shot of the hangar and then it cuts to the hangar. But I think they gel quite nicely because the models are quite dark as well, aren't they? You know, you get those sort of little tubes that they're supposed to be the things that the Cybermen are hiding in. So yeah, model shots work really well. I think the sets are used very well considering they are quite limited and, and the Cybermen are definitely used well because for me, it feels like there's loads on that ship. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't sort of sit there thinking, a bit like um i think it's day of the daleks isn't he there's about three daleks in that and you sort of think okay there's only three daleks <laughs> but they keep going around you know whereas in this it feels like there's loads of cybermen so yeah i think they do a good job with that very good job indeedy mm. uh, let's talk about some characters then so when we pick up the story we have this sort of military uh, group Mm. almost felt a bit like to, to me it felt very similar to the same military guys that we see in caves oh yeah i can see why you think that yeah, yeah because the characters are quite similar so in caves mm. we have what's his face um oh don't ask me the names i'll never don't know <laughs> who, who's the main sort of military leader guy um has he got a tash he's got a tash yeah is this one us as well isn't he that's what i was going to say yeah so in yeah. both of these things we have um we have a, um, a a leader, almost like a brigadier type person, you know, mm-hmm. almost like the you know quite tall, dark, dashingly handsome, mm. got the tash and so got on. the tash and the very British again. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's his name in caves? Is it is it Shallock? I can't Shalik? remember. Mate. Um, anyway, yeah. and then in this one, so we've got so in this one we have. Uh, Lieutenant Scott, who's again the the leader guy, and then his the other guy who he liaises with a lot, almost like his second in command, is a guy called Snyder, mm. and it's very similar to Caves. So in Caves we have um, Salatine. So we oh, have, yeah, you know, yeah. so we have those two guys, and it seems very similar because at first I thought, is this the same? Is this the same group of mm. military dudes? But obviously not because they're not linked anyway. However. Some of the characters are quite cool, and also they lump in the um because it's like an archaeological mission, if you like, because a lot of the military dudes who have gone into the caves already have been killed, and we find out it's those two androids that the Cybermen have placed in the caves. Yeah. So these guys have gone in to see what's going on, and they've also brought this um this woman in. Um, what was her name? Doctor Professor Kyle. That's her name, yeah, Claire Clifford. So what do you think to these little groups? So the three main ones that we hear most of all is Lieutenant Scott, the leader guy, um, Snyder, who sits outside and just watches yeah. the screen, the little <laughs> radar thing, 
and um, Professor Kyle, who's there as like the geologist to look at all the bones and all that stuff while they're doing the potential rescue. So I thought those guys were okay, you know. I thought they were pretty good. I, I thought they were pretty good, mate. So as I said, they do have to carry the majority of episode one. And it it could easily have been quite boring watching them, I think, if they weren't mm-hmm. up to a good enough standard of acting, if you like. You can, you know, if someone's a bit weak, <laughs> you don't really care about them. So if they start getting picked off and killed like they do in this one, you know, if you're sat there not caring about them, you get bored. But I thought these guys are pretty good. And it's funny because you were saying about Snyder watching them on the scanner. Um, I was just wondering what happens to him because it does he just is he just still sat there looking at the scanner thinking <laughs> where have they all gone because I think at some point we just forget about him don't we it's like they all get taken off in the TARDIS and we don't see him later on do we he's just sort of sat there watching him on the scanner getting picked off one by one I think yeah so he's probably just still sat there now thinking where have they gone <laughs> anyway I think they're pretty good as a cast I think they gel quite well and um who's the guy who's the leader with the tash uh um, lieutenant scott lieutenant scott yeah because i actually thought he was quite good because he's really getting into the part there's a bit where he throws davison across the set and he really (laughs) properly throws him even davison looks a bit like oh okay in his sort of very mild mannerism that he would have been oh but he really throws davison when he's like you you've murdered them all and get away from that rock and he's he's into the part is he what is, I'm saying. Definitely. I think he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know he's doing the sort of typical BBC British thing that everyone <laughs> did back then, but but I do think he's quite good at it. Um, so, yeah, I like I like this little group, and I do sort of feel for them when they're getting killed off one by one. I cared enough about them, and like I said, they have to carry the episode a little bit to get it going, ready for the Cybermen reveal, and I think they do a good job. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. Yeah, they do. It's one of those... Um, you know, as we've seen many, many times in in classic Who and all the rest of it, sometimes the supporting cast can be a little bit hit and miss. But yeah, well, they can be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I thought these guys did a decent job, and it's they've they're consistently good throughout as well. Even in episode three and four, where Lieutenant Scott and stuff, you know, they're desperate to leave the TARDIS and go and rescue the Doctor, and yeah, uh, you know, they're they're on the ball. You know, they're taking it seriously, which is obviously good. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, actually. Yeah. That is the thing, isn't it? You do feel like the cast are taking it seriously. The supporting cast, mm. I mean. Uh, you do feel like they're taking it seriously. You don't feel like they've just turned up and, oh, we're in Doctor Who this week, right? Oh, this is fun. You know, you, <laughs> they do, they do, they are pretty good, yeah. They are, yes. Uh, what did you think to the crew of the freighter then? So that consisted of ah. three characters alongside just sort of general uh, staff, if you like, on the freighter. But the three main dudes were... Uh, Ringway, who was the guy who was in cahoots with the Cybermen, who's the yeah. traitor uh, by Alex Sabine, uh, Berger, who's June Bland, and then Briggs, played by Beryl Reed. So mm. those three, and a very interesting dynamic between those three, a little bit. Um, so Alex Sabine, who plays Ringway, he's the guy that seems like he's desperate to impress, he really wants to get his career up the ladder, but um Briggs by Bell Reeds just constantly nagging him to shut up and <laughs> telling him She to, wants her bonus. Yeah. I want my bonus. <laughs> and then you've got Berger, who's the the June Bland, who's the she's kind of stuck in the middle a little bit. She's got her own yeah. job to do, but she's constantly now Where have I seen her before? Because all the way through I was thinking, I know her. I've seen her in I'm sure she's been in Doctor Two again. Battlefield. Let me, yeah. 
She was in Battlefield. Uh, is she the blind lady behind the bar? Yes, I think so. Yeah, ah, I think so. Right, 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 right. Okay, that because all the way it's driving me mad. I kept thinking I know that actress. Um, I'm just checking now to see if I am right. I think it is anyway. But yeah, Battlefield, right? Okay. I mean, she's quite good. Um, it's a shame she doesn't get a bit more in the script, really, because I think we've got a good actress there that that is really good when she's on screen, but she yeah. doesn't get an awful lot to do, does she? Um, Not really. really. No. <laughs> and same with Ringway, actually. I mean, it's great when he, he gets the payoff and the Cybermen just shoot him. <laughs> you know, thanks for, thanks for helping us get on board. Here you go. Here's your reward. A bullet through the neck. Um, so, <laughs> so poor old Ringway. Well, no, not poor old Ringway because he's a traitor, but I think he's pretty good um, yeah. in the part. Yeah. Beryl Reed, oh, I love her, but she's miscast, I'm afraid. I, I mean, I really like Beryl Reed, and she was a great, well, is a great actress. You know, she was BAFTA award winning, wasn't she? She's done loads of great yeah, work. Yeah, loads. Yeah. But I think she was a little bit lost, really, in so? this part. I don't yeah. think she, well, I think Davidson says on the making of, really, she sort of read the lines, but I think she sort of said herself, I, I haven't got a clue what's going on. You know, um, and it does feel a little bit like that. I I kind of love her in one sense, but I have to say she's just very <laughs> miscast. I don't believe in her at all, really. Um, and it's a shame because anyone who's sort of a, watching this now, it doesn't really know who Beryl Reed was or probably thinks she's not a particularly good actress because I don't think she's great in it. But she was. She was a really good actress. But mm. yeah, she's just not very good in this i'm afraid to say um just and i think it is purely down to the fact that she's just miscast in the part you know right um right. Uh, there's a great thing on the making of where davison says that she sort of turned to him and said i don't know what's going on here i haven't got a clue what's going on in the script I'm just, I'm just reading the lines and he's like oh right and she said um on one of the takes she's like we're heading towards such and such and then you know, the camera's supposed to cut. And she says, is that somewhere off the Earl's Court Road? And just sort of turned and laughed. And apparently no one else did. It oh, just sort cringe. of went like, yeah. yeah, it's a real clanger. But I can, apparently she was really good fun on set, which I can imagine. So I'm sure they had a great time having her as the guest star that week. But yeah, doesn't really, she doesn't work in it for me, I'm afraid. I kind of love her in one sense, but I can also see that she's not very suited to the part. If you know what I mean, yeah, I think I know. I, I know exactly what you mean. It's um, yeah, it's one of those frustrating times, isn't it? Where because she's a very good actor, you know, she you can, is. Yeah, you can tell that she's got her acting chops through years of experience, and she knows what she's doing. Mm. It just feels a little bit like exactly like you said. She's just miscast. She just doesn't really fit that. Uh, you know what I mean? She doesn't really fit them that type of character because it. it she, she looks a bit lost. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Like she's not really suited to playing that type of sci-fi role, mm. if that makes sense, because she's meant to be this hard-nosed, and she does come across fairly well like that. She's got this hard-nosed, thick-skinned sort of, you know, don't, you know, just don't bother me with rubbish, you know, let's just get home. Yeah. And, you know. yeah. But at the same time, she feels like her lines weren't delivered with, enough confidence at times that's it yeah you know? sometimes you get a feeling that an actor thinks because they're in doctor who they can sort of ham it up a little or they don't take it 100 percent seriously and i kind of get that feeling a little bit with this that she just thought you can see it's just a job she's not really into it whereas um for example the other guy we're on about is really throwing himself into it you know he may not be the best actor 
uh, Scott, but he's he's going for it. Whereas yeah. Beryl does feel like she's just kind of saying the lines a little bit. Um, I'm afraid, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's not bad though. I mean, we've had worse, and to be fair, they must have been thrilled to have had her in Doctor Who. She was quite a name back in the '80s, so it's quite a a good guest star to have in the show. Um, I just wish she'd sort of been given a different part, really, right? <laughs> or maybe yeah. even in a different series. You know, maybe in a, even in a different story. I think she could have been wonderful. Um, I can sort of see her in, um, you know, like the Stones of Blood, like the old woman in that. That crazy sort of. I can see her being in a story like that and being <laughs> absolutely brilliant. But as yeah. a sort of spaceship commander, the sort of, you know, bashing out all these insults, it doesn't really work for me, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, you. What about the Cybermen themselves then? So we have yes. the, there are two main <laughs> Cybermen, aren't we? We've got the Cyber Lieutenant, played yeah. by Mark Hardy, and the Cyber Leader, played by David Banks. Those two, mm. I think you and I have picked up on this before, but in some Cybermen stories, you often have this thing where the Cybermen are acting as one conscious thing and they don't have any independence or personality to them mm. so every single cyber person is just going towards one goal and they're like a cutout you know a cookie cutter of of whatever um and for me i really liked the fact that the cyber lieutenant and the cyber leader sometimes had differing opinions if that makes sense yeah, yeah. So you've got the cyber leader who's very much like, right, let's steamroll through, let's, let's get blow it, it all up. Yeah, let's yeah. do this. But then you've got the lieutenant who's like, actually, leader, you know, this is going on, so let's be cautious. And the leader's like, no, we have to secure the doctor immediately or we have to detonate immediately or it's time to take control of the freighter. And you've got the lieutenant like... He's he's on board, don't get me wrong. He's you know, He's absolutely part of the plan and... You know, mm. but he's got a, a different opinion to the cyber leader, which you don't often see in some Cybermen stories. You often have the leader, and then all the other Cybermen just follow orders, and that's it. So, performances were pretty good, though. Very, very old school British um, <laughs> delivery. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I like the fact that they've got a bit more intelligence in this because sometimes the Cybermen are just written as just you know gun-toting brainless idiots and they do actually seem to be working around a plan and talking to each other and engaging and there's more to them in this story and i like that um so yeah i agree with you about um the lieutenant you know mm-hmm. uh, throwing up a few ideas i absolutely love david banks as as the cyber leader i know he's a bit british but he does have a gravitas about him which i really like an example of that would be when he first walks in uh, onto the starship bridge and he's towering above everyone and he kind of circles the room, doesn't he, until he gets to the doctor. Um, and I just think he's great as the cyber leader. Um, I really do. I know, like you said, he's a bit, perhaps a little bit too British, but but I think he's brilliant. I really do like him as the cyber leader. And, um, and I think he's really good in the scenes. I mean, you know, that bit when he's talking to the doctor about emotions and why you don't need them. And he's like, kill her. And, you know, I have to say the doctor takes quite a long time just to, you know, to stop the, you know, I'm surprised Tegan's not dead on the floor, to be honest with you, because <laughs> he takes ages to actually oh, yeah. just say, yeah. oh, no, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, you're right, you're right. You know, I mean, it's not as if he's given away, you know, um, 
a, a the more you know a, a top secret all he's doing is admitting that you know emotions are a weakness it's you know it's no big deal uh, <laughs> to stop um, poor old Tegan getting shot so I'm surprised he doesn't you know speak up sooner but um but yeah I do think but David Banks is good very good in this I, the song yeah, I completely agree buddy yeah I think he's um I think he's he, although it, it does have that old school British delivery but that's just that was just the way it's just it is yeah back in the the 80s and you know even well even from the beginning of doctor who up until probably the late 80s you know a a good old classic threatening villain just had a proper british accent that was just the way for some reason that's what they thought that was the most threatening sort of sinister accent i suppose and i think some people might watch it now and say it's a bit panto performance, a bit villain, panto villain, kill him at once and all this. Yeah. But but there's something about, and this sort of just is part of the charm of classic Who, is that it, it kind of works, I think. I just can't, I love it. I don't care if it's a little bit hammy or a little <laughs> bit OTT. I, it just, I just love, you know, I just love the performance, I think. Because yeah. it's fun, isn't it? It's a fun performance without going too over the top. Absolutely. You know? yeah. He's just evil. I am the cyber leader. And that's how it is. You know, yeah. I'm just, yeah, it works. No, it does. Mm. I agree, mate. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Um, anyone we've missed before we get onto our TARDIS team? No, I don't think I so. Think so. Uh, what about Tegan and Nissa then? Because they have very different roles in this one. Uh, Tegan's very yeah. much getting stuck in. She's out there she with does, the, yeah. you know, she's with the other military guys and she's, taking on Cybermen and, mm. you know, she's doing a thing. Nissa, which we come, we came to see a, uh, this a few times, unfortunately, with Nissa, where because she's meant to be the, the... Tegan's the very rough and ready, you know, ready to throw fists around, get stuck in. Nissa, because she's the smarter, you know, a, a lot more similar to the Doctor in terms of her personality, she's very calm and collected and relies on the maths and the science to get stuff figured out. She sometimes gets relegated to the TARDIS mm. and is there <laughs> just to monitor the screens and I the know. controls. And oh, I just wish she'd done a bit more in this because Tegan gets some tasty scenes and yeah. this is just... It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, obviously J&T decided that the TARDIS was too crowded and it was too difficult for the writers to write for three companions as well as the Doctor, which you can understand. But it does seem that actually out of the three of them, this is the one that always gets shoved in the TARDIS with nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, as much as people might criticize Adric as a companion, at least he actually adds some fun to the stories, be it, be it in an unintentional way sometimes when he's just moaning and being a brat. He does often get more to do. You know, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's in there kicking pterolaptils and all that sort of stuff. And he's, you know, doing his mathematical equations. So they do seem to be able to give Adric stuff to do, whereas poor old Nissa does get relegated to the TARDIS <laughs> quite a lot, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it, in a way, it's surprising that they go to get rid of Adric. Um, but <laughs> then again, you can see some of the reasons that they did. But yeah, I think Tegan definitely gets more to do. She does get stuck in there shooting Cybermen. Um, and really, the only thing where Nissa shines this story is at the beginning, really, when she's trying to calm the Doctor down and say, you know, just let him get it out of his system and all that. So she's quite nice, you know, with Davison in those scenes. But but if you had to, if you were the producer back then and you had, you're looking at those three companions, which one would you have, would you have killed off Adric or, or which one would you have, 
if you could only have the doctor traveling with one companion, which one would you have him traveling with? I would say Tegan. You'd have what Tegan you'd kill off or Tegan you'd have traveling. I'd have traveling with Tegan. Yeah. Just her. Yeah. Yeah. She's strong, strongest. I think. Yeah. And I yeah. think she provides the biggest contrast or dynamic to the doctor. To Davison. Yeah. Mm. Cause I think that Nissa is too similar in her character traits. She's too similar to the doctor. Mm. Whereas Tegan's very uh, in your face and, you know, I, I just think she provides a, a more of a dynamic, but more of an entertaining uh, story if it was just her and the Doctor. Mm. If, who would you have killed off? Would you have killed off Adric, same as JNT? No. You'd have killed off Nyssa? Yeah. I, I'm slightly inclined to agree with you, actually. I'm just sort of thinking of, an, you know, if they'd have gone on with the rest of Davison's era with the Doctor, Tegan and Adric, mm-hmm. I think we would have had a slightly more interesting dynamic. I think so. Yeah. Because like you said, Nissa, I like Nissa as a companion. I think she's a good character. She's certainly been written very well for On Big Finish. But in the series, yeah, even even when they get rid of Adric, very often she doesn't get a lot to do. So, mm. yeah, I might have been inclined to have got rid of Nissa rather than Adric. I don't know. Yeah, because mm. although Adric... And again, he's, anno- he's annoying, but he, <laughs> he does bring something to the table each week, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. And depending on which bunch of Who fans you ask, he's either extremely annoying and, you know, everyone's very glad that he was killed off, or he's a, he's a really good character and has a lot of potential and perhaps could have gone on to some, have some cracking stories with Davison, but... Yeah, just for me, I, I just think that Nissa's just too similar to the Doctor and doesn't provide... She's got some great little bits here and there throughout her run with Davison but and with and with Baker. It just feels like she was a little bit underused. Yeah, definitely. I guess you know. they know it's no thing to Sarah Sutton because I think she's great as Nissa, but it's more down to the writers, isn't it? They yeah. seem to struggle to find stuff for her to do. It's good when she's building things, like in the visitation, she takes about five days to build that <laughs> sonic sound device or whatever it is. But yeah. So it's good when they do give her stuff. It's just that, yeah, bless her. She's very often just relegated to the TARDIS, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about Matthew Waterhouse then? Mm. Adric. Well, I I think he he should have put a bit more into his last story. I I can just see that his performance is a bit deflated in this because um, he's miffed. Is that because he was getting he got the boot? Is that what you're saying? I I think so. Right. I think I think he's you know it's no secret that he was upset that he was you know given the boot. But I think as as Davison says in the in the making of this, he turned to Matthew at the time and said, look. You know, don't, I can understand you're upset, but think about it this way. What a story to go out on. You know, mm. no one's going to forget the death of Adric, but even that wasn't enough to, you know, take away the blues. And it, to me, it comes across on screen. I don't feel like I can understand him being upset, but if it was me, I'd have sort of tried to get over that and think, you know, wow, look at this script, though. Mm-hmm. Look at this story that I'm going out on. I'm going to really grab this of two, you know both horns and i'm going to go out with the performance of my lifetime on this one <laughs> but for me he doesn't he feels really down and he's like saying goodbye even when he, he he's not even dead yet and he's sort of saying i'll see you soon and just giving this sort of limp little wave and oh, I see. you know right. and it, do you know what i mean it just feels to me like matthew waterhouse is just so upset that he's 
been fired or or that he's you know <laughs> leaving that he just doesn't give his sort of final performance I, I, I just wish he'd just given it a little bit more you know right. even when he's shyly tapping away at the thing you know the, the whatever it is the little typewriter on the <laughs> that's blowing up and all yeah. you know it just feels to me like he's just so upset about leaving that he's just not giving the best performance yeah, he well. could uh, you know i just i'd like to have seen a bit more from him because i do like Hendrick. you know i like the companion he's for good or bad you know i always find him entertaining in one way or another on screen you know so i just wanted to see a bit more from matthew in this his final story he's, he's literally going out with a bang yeah um, yeah. But it just feels like he's just a little bit too upset I about it. Yeah. yeah, and I think yeah, I, I concur with you, mate. I think it's it comes across a little bit like he knows that he's he's on the he's way going. out. You know, yeah, it does. Yeah, but from an actor's point of view, he's kind of playing it like he's he, he's he's given a performance which is which is good enough, but it's not his best performance because he's a bit sour. He's sour, yeah. Do you, you know can what I mean? See it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I could be giving you like an amazing performance here, but because you've decided to get rid of me, I'm not going to give you the best that I've got. I'm just, I'm just sulking a little bit. It's it, it, good old fashioned. You can sulk. almost feel, yeah. yeah. You can almost feel the sulking coming through on screen. I think the yeah. best bit of acting from him is when that Cyberman sort of comes through the door, half dead, going, yeah. and he sort of turns and gives this horrified look. Yeah. And he does look properly scared of that side. Man. That's the best bit of acting from him in it, I think, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an okay performance, but I would have loved to have seen Matthew really go for it in this yes. and literally just go out with a bang. Yeah. No, I agree, mate. I can completely agree. It's a shame because, like Davison had said to him at the time years ago, this will be... You know, what a story to... People won't forget, yeah. Yeah, and often whenever you mention Earthshock, this is the, the subject that people normally gravitate towards first. It's the death of Adric. It's, mm, the, you know, yeah. the, 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 big mi- deal. the milestone in the show that we mentioned at the beginning of this review where it's the first time that a companion has been killed and stayed dead and we have the very um, sombre sort of no music credits and just the camera on the star, the broken star. You know, yeah, yeah. In his little badge. And it, it's a real... Even though I'm not Adric's biggest fan, the, the ending still sort of hits me a little bit. Mm. It's a real potent... You know, although it can be classed as cheesy, I suppose, nowadays, I think it works so well having just the silent credits and Adric's little badge that's broken up. <laughs> I think it's um, yeah. I think it works really well, and it really delivers that message that if you travel with the Doctor, you're not invincible. You know, you're still mm. vulnerable to this stuff. So, uh, yeah, and it's a shame that he didn't. Re- I mean, it's it's easy for us to sit here and say that, but when mm. you're because he was quite how old was he when he did this? He was quite young, wasn't he? Eighteen, maybe I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. So when you're young and you haven't got life experience, and mm. you know, it's very easy for us to sit here and say he should have done this and he should have realised this and he should have thought about this. When you're that age, I suppose you don't really. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean? totally get it. If I was in his shoes, I'd have been gutted to be leaving yeah. as well. But yeah. but I love the fact, you know, that the fact that they make the the gold star is how the doctor defeats the Cybermen, <laughs> which is really cool that, you know, that he's holding his brother's little rope at the end. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a kind of a love letter to Adric as well as being his yeah. deaf, you know, and, and episode four is so good. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole 
sort of build up to the Cybermen getting on board the TARDIS and the Doctor can't follow them through the space continue you know and all that stuff it's all really going on and it's quite vicious actually for davison's doctor to kill the cybermen like that because davison's doctor like you said a lot of people say he's a bit lightweight but yeah not at the end of this he's not he's i mean he shoots that cyberman about four times to make sure he's actually dead uh even when he's on the floor dead he still gives him another quick blast of the gun just to be sure um <laughs> that's a brilliant ending to the episode though isn't it it's, it's all kicking off in the tardis because i kept thinking like wow how are they going to get these cybermen off they're like pretty they're on that tardis you know there's the, the doctor really does feel helpless at that point um and i think it's just such a good ending to the story and i like the silent credits as well i think it needed it, it would have been a bit strange if they had gone out on the on the theme. The only thing is that I can see that, you know, they're all trying not to laugh in that very last few moments. <laughs> you can see that Davidson says it, you know, the more they were told not to laugh, mm-hmm. the more they found it hard to not laugh. <laughs> so you can, you can see that all three actors are really trying hard not to laugh uh, when, Ad, yeah. when they're saying that Adric's dead, but, but I do, I think they get away with it. Just, just and I, I do yeah. think it's, I think episode four is, fantastic it just builds and builds and builds and you know and then obviously we get boom he's gone and there's nothing the doctor can do about it and it's brilliant it is yeah, yeah. that's um, the thing that makes the whole thing even more um upsetting really because the doctor always finds a way to save the day exactly and save yeah and yeah. when and the cyber man the cyber leader doesn't believe him when the doctor says look there's nothing i can do you will follow them. You will yeah, follow that's them. Yeah, yep. that's when Davison's on top of his game. So he's like, I can't. Yeah. There's no way I can do it. You know, he's really sort of into it at that point. Yeah. yeah. So regardless of your feelings towards Adric, it is a great way for him to go out. And it's a great I think so. sort of, you know, yeah. but it's just a shame that he wasn't given it his all. He does seem to be holding back in a little bit of a sulk, but, but <laughs> yeah. there we go. And what about Davison then? I mean, it's for his first series... I think especially from, I would say, episode three and four, especially, he's just banging away on, you know, all cylinders are firing. I, I think, yeah. yeah, definitely. I was going to say, I think from, he, he's perfectly good in the first episode, mm-hmm. but there's, yeah, but he really hits his stride um, after the Cybermen come into it. He looks like he's just loving acting uh, alongside the Cybermen, I think. I think he just, his, his sort of um, performance seems to go up a notch when the Cybermen come into it. And he's, mm-hmm. by the end, it, you know, he's he's great. Uh, he, he looks properly lost as well at the end, <laughs> doesn't he? When yeah. he's realised he can't, he's lost Andrick. He does look um, like, oh, yeah. what am I going to do? I can't remember if, if they, what, how do they pick up from this at the beginning of Time Flight? Because I mean, we reviewed Time Flight ages ago and I, I don't remember Adric getting much of a mention. Is it kind of like, oh, shame about Adric. Right, now let's go off to Heathrow and I just don't remember them talking much about him. I might need to give the first few minutes another watch just to see. Because they look, you'd think that this would have massive repercussions. Like you might think that uh, Nissa and Tiga might question traveling with the doctor from this point onwards but i don't remember much of that in the following story i think they must mention it yeah they do i think at the beginning of it they are they do seem a bit down yeah at at the very beginning of time flight they're still a bit uh before they land at heathrow they asked they the mood is not amazing 
Mm. <laughs> and I, I, so they are they don't actually mention in detail what happened with Adric, but you can tell that they're a little bit especially Tegan, you know, she's not happy that the doctors allowed Adric to to be killed. Um I kind of feel like watching it again just to see because I just don't remember there being much aftermath. And there should be really. I mean yeah. you know, forget your thoughts about Adric to one side. There there should be repercussions from this in the following story and i just don't remember much of that in time flight but maybe no. i need to give it another watch i don't know yeah don't really gravitate towards time flight that often but i might do <laughs> no i mean they're definitely a bit down and sad because they've lost adric i remember that at the beginning of time flight but i remember yeah. it doesn't last very long no i remember once they are at, they land at heathrow they're sort of into that story and off they go and there yeah. is another scene where Tegan mentions Adric to the Doctor and the Doctor's face just changes immediately. Right, And right. you can tell that he's sort of gutted that that he couldn't save him. They're, mm. they're talking about something unrelated and Tegan says something like, oh, you mean like what happened with Adric? Mm. And I remember the Doctor's face just dropping immediately and he's gutted. But they don't mourn him for long. They don't dwell on it. No. no, I, I think the only other the, the only other thing I can remember is that this the doctor's the fifth doctor's last words are Adric, aren't they? So he remembers him at <laughs> yeah. the end. He's like Adric. <laughs> another scene where he's trying not to laugh. Yeah, it's another scene we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor old Adric. But no, I think um, I think Davison's really once he'd because Davison's one of these doctors, isn't he? Where you can tell when he's not really into a story. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 And I think this one, he's just grabbing it and he's properly going for it. I mean, like you said, episode one, he's good. But I think probably halfway through two, and especially in episode three and four, he's um, he's very, very good. Yeah, very definitely good. in, definitely into it by, yeah, yeah. by then. Um, okay, so anything you want to mention, mate, before we land um, the, only the other thing. Any other thing I've got on my list is, is, is that um, we talked a little bit about the production values earlier, and I just think they're very good in this, considering when this story was made. And the, the bit that I particularly like, and I haven't mentioned yet, is when the Cyberman comes through the door of the spaceship and he fuses, they do something, and he fuses um, with <laughs> yeah. the door. So he sort of molds into the door, and it's done so well Brilliant. for the time. And yeah. it's there's something really eerie about having this sort of Cyberman half Cyberman half stuck yeah. in a door throughout yeah. the rest of the episode. He's just kind of there. And I just think it's it's a really cool piece of production value for the time this was made. In fact, I think the whole production value of this story is really high. It feels almost a bit like a sort of anniversary story almost. in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it could almost be. It's, yeah, it's sort of up there with remembrance, I think. So, yeah, no, that's the only other bit I got was I loved the... Cyberman fused into the door. I think it's a really good effect. Really well done. Yeah. It reminded me of um, the Han Solo trapped in carbonite look. Yes, it is. Yeah, carbonite Cyberman. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely is. That looks really cool. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, let's jump in with some scores then. I think it's you to go first. What do you got? Okay, so I'm going with a 9 out of 10. A for this 9? One. It's a 9. It's a yeah, it's right up there with remembrance for me. It's um, it only really loses a point really for Beryl Reed, bless her, and you know, and for Matthew not giving a hundred and ten percent. I don't feel <laughs> so. There's very little. I just can't think of much that to criticise. So it's a very very strong story. I think nine out of ten. Uh, snap, that's a nine yeah, for me snap. as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's just very difficult to fault. Really, it it's, is. Um, as we've talked through it, because normally you and I try to give a balanced uh, review and pick out 
positives and, and negatives. But I, I'm really struggling to... The only faults I can give is I'm, the whole dinosaurs thing and how convenient it was. You know, that's, that's not amazing for me. And also, yeah, um, Adric, I just feel like he should have really blew the roof off yeah with his performance and stuff but it's not terrible it's just but overall it's a cracking story really it is a good. good story and we did we didn't talk about the music in it much um but malcolm clark scores good in it like it doesn't mm. you know in the in the attack of the cybermen he does that annoying dun, 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 <laughs> all the way through it and it gets really annoying. in this one thank goodness he tones it down and because uh, that might have knocked a little Notch off the score if you'd have had that go running through it all the way through. So, yeah. So, True. overall, very good production. Very yeah. good. Um, and also, the if somebody said, I need a Davison story to watch, this is a good, although there's a little bit of carryover with Adric into the mm. start of the next one, overall, it's a really good self contained Davison story. Yeah, I so, think so. Yeah. 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 Okie dokie. What did our awesome listeners think? We had a couple of audio clips in. Uh, oh, cool. First one is our regular uh, reviewer. This is Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Earthshock, it's a good story, believe it or not, and brace yourselves. Sit down before I say this. Seriously. I like this story. I know. A fifth Doctor story I like. Who knew? Poor Adric. I'm sad he died. The Cybermen really need to stop saying excellent quite so often. (laughs) I give it eight mathematical gold stars out of ten. See ya. Nice. uh, So, yeah. Sammy liking a Cyberman. Fifth Doctor story there. Yeah, cool. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, This is a... um, uh, a reviewer that's come back to us. He used to send in loads of reviews and he sounds quite different. Uh, this is long-time listener. This is Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary Lamb with the Big Blue Box podcast. How are you guys doing? Um, just want to say congratulations on 200 episodes. I remember when I first came on the show around the 50-episode mark and it was under the lake. Oh, God, I sounded horrible back then. I still do sound horrible now, but at least I don't sound like a mouse. Anyway... Earth Shock, it's really, really good. Like, it's probably one of the best episodes in Doctor Who history. Um, Adric's death, just a uh, really good, really well worked into a story, considering the writing around the 80s, is probably one of the weaker points of Doctor Who. Um, I think Davidson's era is really good and strong. I think Earth Shock, it might be my favourite Davidson story behind the Kezan Dozani. I think the side men are really good in it. And uh, the fact we'll never know if Adric was right just is so... Uh, it, it, that, the story between the Fifth Doctor and Adric's exceptional. Uh, the threat of the Cybermen is probably the best thing about this because they're so threatening. Um, and um, Adric's kind of um, mood and angst, I don't know if that's the right word, towards the Fifth Doctor throughout his era was a little bit annoying, but this kind of gives it the ultimate payoff um, where the Fifth Doctor feels responsible for what happens to Adric. Um, and it's really... You know, it's really dark for Classic Who, which I like. Um, so I'm going to give Earthshock 10 out of 10. I really like it. Um, but I just want to say again, congratulations to 100 guys. Um, really thankful for what you guys do every week. Put a smile on my face. Entertain us. Here's to the next... Um, however many episodes you guys do. Let's say 250, because the next 100 might scare you guys. So yeah, I'll see you guys very soon. Have a nice rest of the show and have a nice rest of the week. Thank you guys all so much. 
That's never Alex Kingdom. That's Alex, yeah. Wow, good to hear you, man. Yeah, it's very cool. Thank you so much for that. And our third audio clip, this is from one of our own writers. This is Maria Kalitachu. Oh. Hello, Adam and Gary. Maria here, and I couldn't resist sending an audio clip as you are reviewing one of my favourite stories ever, Earthshock. So, I finally know how the dinosaurs died out. I love this story. The direction is superb, and it's got the best build-up to a genuine cliffhanger that I've seen in ages when we reveal the Cybermen. I love the creepy androids mushing all the humans, and when we move to the freighter, there's that lovely homage to the Tomb of the Cybermen as the Cybermen break through the silos. People criticise Beryl Reed in this, but I like her rough, tough captain. She really plays it like she's on a ship. The direction is really good. Peter Grimwade gets the best out of everyone. Edric's death is a standout moment of 1980s Who. Uncompromising, dramatic and silent credits. 10 out of 10 for me. Bye-bye. What else is? Excellent. Another 10 out of 10. Cheers, Maria. Another 10. Crikey. Wow. Um, I'm going to read a, a few of our uh, reviews that we had in on social media. You guys went nuts uh, for yeah. this episode and we received so many, so I can't read them all out and I can't read them all in full, um, but I will pick out a few of them. So Mark Donaldson, another one of our writers, says, a mind-bogglingly overrated story. <gasps> oh dear. Oh. Cybermen that may as well be Monster of the Week, Robot Assassins, a huge supporting cast of essentially cannon fodder, a noble sacrifice, an emotional ending that is neither earned or paid off. Wow. He's sacked. He's gone. <laughs> no. No, 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 interesting thought there, Mark. It's not often you hear, mm. um, yeah, a huge negative for Earthshock, but uh, mm. there we go. Uh, Theta Sigma podcast. Uh, next to Caves, this is without doubt one of Davison's best stories. Mm. Suspense, disagreements with the Natalis team, Davison is outstanding best and the triumphant return for the Cybermen. Uh, 10 out of 10. A 10 out of 10. Uh, Paul, um, uh, Twitter name PWP Waring says, uh, best Davison story after Androzani. And finally we get rid of annoying Adric. Uh, but it says, how did the bomb and androids get into the caves? And what happened to the guy on the surface with the scanner? That's what I said. He's still sat there. Still sat there. He might be... hundred years old. Yeah, he might still be there. Just a skeleton in a quarry. <laughs> in the scanner. Um, Mike Friendly says, truly outstanding story for me in the underrated season 19. Uh, David Banks steals the show with a great performance and the Cybermen are fantastic. Uh, it gives it 10 pieces of gold out of 10. Nice. Uh, John Belace says, love this story. Even with Africa gone after... Sorry. He mistyped there. He says, even with the freighter gone, um, uh, Nissa still sunk into the background. I think he's meant Adric, even with Adric gone. Yeah. Bloody autocorrect on this thing. Uh, he said, love the story. Even with Adric gone after this, Nissa still sunk into the background, sadly. But it's a wonderful to see those big metal bleeps again. Mm-hmm. Um Dayskin, I think that's right. Twitter names D A I S K three N Dayskin. Uh, as a Cybermen episode, it was pretty standard. I don't like eighty Cybermen. What, what? I li- yeah, what I liked once, I say, um, I said it on Switch was how Adric had a chance to leave the ship, but goes back in at the last moment. The fool. So his death wasn't an accident, like I always thought, but a proper trap of destiny. <laughs> 
Uh, Rick Moran says, one of Davison's best and a script that actually served Adric well. Mm. Yes. Uh, IB Productions, Earthshock, top quality story. The Cybermen are great and so are the main cast. It's just episode one drags a little, but overall nine out of ten. Oh. Uh, John Winston Scott, easily the best story of Davison's first series. Can still remember the terrible shock I experienced as a nine-year-old when Adric died. Yeah. Seems crazy as I'd celebrate his exit now, but it packed a real punch <laughs> back then. Uh, and we got the flak- and we got the flashbacks, magic stuff. Nine out of ten. Uh, Harry Brown, Earthshock is one of those stories that will stick with you forever. Ten out of ten. Uh, TARDISNet sixty six, one of my favourite Cybermen stories, mm. shows the Cybermen at the most powerful. Uh, with the brilliant cyber leader and a great cliffhanger to episode one. Uh, also shows the tragedy and consequences of time travel and with the death of Adric, which adds reality to the series. Yes. Uh, over on Facebook, let's pick a few of these out. Martin Arnold, have you ever wondered what it's like to broadcast 200, 200 podcasts in the fourth dimension? <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, he says, Adric, no, even your little green wellies. Couldn't save you from the wrath of John Nathan Turner. <laughs> uh, I have to say that the DVD extras are part, uh, a bit of a buzzkill. It's just a load of people laughing at the silent credits, including Stephen Moffat. What? Uh, no. I remember the effect that this had on me as a kid was quite effective as a 10-year-old Hoovian anyway. I think that speaks for itself and my Earthshock remains a classic. Uh, let's read a few more. Ash Prosser, what's an episode? A serial even new who fans should give a chance to watch. The acting is great and the story is solid and the sets are amazing for the time, 9 out of 10. Jason Thayer, uh, I never actually disliked Adric, but I can see why people did. At least he got a good exit, 10 out of 10. Miles McKenzie, congrats on episode 200. Cheers, man. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy Earthshock, one of Davison's most memorable and best stories for me. Um, Overall solid, 7.5. Kevin Mullin. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, one of Davison's absolute best stories. Everything about Earthshot just works. The acting from everyone, including Matthew Waterhouse, is of the highest standard. The script mm. is, uh, is as dark as Doctor Who has ever been. Uh, the music fits perfectly. Uh, gives it 10 excellent clenched fists out of 10. <laughs> Jeff Waddle, certainly one of the better Davison ones, but I don't find it as good as most other fans do. Beryl Reed is so miscast, it's cringeworthy. Uh, everyone else does an excellent job. Um, 7 out of 10. Mm. Lewis Palmer congrats on 200 marvellous episodes cheers mate uh, Earthshock absolutely outstanding story for me it's the final uh, for me it's the um, this is the best uh, that the 80s Cybermen ever got they're true tacticians and a proper force to be reckoned with 8.5 yes. and lastly Joseph Howe the best story from Davison's era and I still regard this one as one of my favourites and I must have seen it four or five times now superb acting superb story 9 out of 10 Awesome stuff. Cool. And yeah. uh, like I said, we got loads and loads of reviews in, so I am apologise. I haven't got time to read them all out. Um, but if you don't follow us or um, like us on Twitter and Facebook, jump over there and, and do that, and you'll be able to read all of this stuff and interact with other Who fans. Indeed. And we do read them all. I was going to say, even if we don't have time to read them out on the show, we do read all the comments. Absolutely. and We love interacting with you guys. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um so I think overall Earthshot gets a resounding positive thumbs up from from us. And Mostly, yeah. Apart from our our writer there is not very keen. Mark. 
Mark. I think Mark needs to put an article out on that a bit more in depth about why. Yes, explain why, yourself. <laughs> why it's a clang about overall. Explain yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> overall, very cool though. Uh, next week, it's the turn of Torchwood. Back so, to Torchwood. What is it next week, buddy? So next week, yeah, Small Worlds is the episode. Small Worlds. Don't remember that at all. Don't yeah. remember it. Don't even know what it's about. Yeah, I... I thought this you know when we saw it on the schedule i thought i'd seen all of torchwood all of it but i don't remember this one for some reason i must have seen it because i've seen them all yeah well that's what i I thought but yeah i don't know um and it's amazing we're not even halfway through series one yet i thought we were nearly done but no there we go so get your discs out and get that watch we'll be asking for your reviews and thoughts next week so torchwood small world and i think we're going to do there mate for 200 okay Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for episode 200 and all of you guys that have listened for the past few years and brought us up to this point. It's all because of you. There's no point us sitting here in front of Mm -hmm. microphones, chatting away and talking rubbish. Waffling on. If there's nobody to hear it. So thank you so much. Thank you to all the reviews that you guys have shoved onto iTunes and the other podcast networks. Thank you for sending in your reviews each and every week. Um, but just thank you so much if you've just listened even if you're a long time listener regular listener or if you've listened to us just once or twice we very much appreciate your time to sit down and listen to two nutty crazy who fans Mm. talking rubbish so uh, thank you very much it's been awesome and that's the end of the podcast no more we're going to leave it there (laughs) to hell with series 11 no just kidding We'll hopefully be around for a long while yet. Whenever that may be, Series 11. Whenever, yeah. In the meantime, though, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our episodes on there. Plus, it's got links off to the social networks. So jump over to there, give us a like and a follow. Uh, We chat Doctor Who plenty during the week in between the shows on a Friday. And we've got a really cool community of Who fans that chat and all that stuff uh, there's also buttons on there to link over to the podcast networks um, uh, the main one being iTunes um, and if you're an iTunes listener if you could spare a minute for a review or a rating that would be awesome because that really helps um, but we're on all the other networks as well just do a search for us on there uh, also check out Adam's channel The Geeks yes. Handbag Geeks Handbag check out Adam's YouTube channel so many cool videos on there he's done two or three really cool ones in the last couple of weeks I've done loads lately yeah yeah really really cool socks off <laughs> and Adam's also on the regular socials as well so yeah. Instagram Twitter Facebook give him a like and a follow but yeah give his YouTube channel a subscribe you won't be you won't be disappointed so many cool right. videos Okie dokie, until next week for episode 201. My name's Gary. (laughs) My name's Adam. And remember... uh...